And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, our final holiday commentary of 2022 slash we're probably in 2023 by now by the time this comes out oh for sure oh yeah absolutely well that 2023 is in like three days and we still have like two more indiana jones to post before this so (laughs) well i am hope i am joined by my wonderful co-podcaster chris how are you doing chris i'm doing good and we have a very very special bonus commentary for you today. I am so excited about this because we finished all the Indiana Jones thus far. But I wanted Chris to watch one of my personal favorite movies. And the reason we're doing this movie is because it has a lot of influence on Star Wars animation. And we're starting Tales of the Jedi next week. So we are watching Princess Mononoke from Studio Ghibli. One of Hao Miyazaki's like greatest works, and like I love this movie so much, and it was Chris's first time seeing it. So Chris, th- did you hate it? Um, it is a cinema masterpiece. Isn't it though? Isn't yeah, it? It is. Mm, so good. And and the a little background of like why we're doing this um is as we said we're just starting Tales of the Jedi next week. But uh, Dave Filoni actually talked to Celebration about how the character of San was the direct influence into of the creation of Ahsoka Tano. And so with us getting in the Ahsoka episodes, I thought it would be a good time to have it. But it's not just San. You know, re- re-watching this um, this time around, uh, I, there's so many Star Wars things. Like, Ashitaka is basically a Jedi without the Force. Like... So there, there's, of course, like, environmental themes and stuff like that. But, like, a big theme of this movie is finding balance between, like, your inner darkness versus the world and people around you. So we're, we're definitely going to be talking a lot about that. But oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't, this is I would, definitely not a world of black and whites, for sure. I would argue there's no villain. Uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll argue that with you when we get going. Yeah, because even, like, um, Jigo, who is Billy Bob Thornton's character, like... He's just kind of doing his job. Like his, the villain is greed. <laughs> like it's the greed. A lot of, the, of people, a lot of people got hung at the Hague for doing their job. Yeah, and like because really, like the big bad guy is the Emperor, who like the first of the original trilogy movies we never see. Um, but he's the one that's like, no, I'm gonna put all this into motion. Go, like, go do your things. Like I want the head of the Deer God and blah blah blah. Um, but I, I want to hear some of your general thoughts of watching this. Because I, I grew up with this movie. Like, I know this movie, like, so well. So I like, so I, I want to hear your general thoughts about it before we kind of, uh, like, dive into, like, the deeperness of it. As, as you know, I don't want to watch a lot of anime. And, like, the just sort of standard anime, some of it I, I can consume and stuff. But stuff like this, you know, like Ghibli stuff. And like we were talking before, I've, I I uh, I saw Spirited Away is the only other Studio Ghibli. I'll, I'll be 
watching every Studio Ghibli movie uh, after this at, at some point. <laughs> but um, stuff like this is just it's it's like watch it's like when I, Akira was the first movie I watched like that where you know like when I would see something that was anime, it was very like um, just just for like dictated by form and usually like kind of either goofy or like didn't have a lot of money and stuff and it had its own sort of language and stuff whereas this stuff is sort of more universal cinematic language and just the the, the usually with an animated movie they're usually about an hour and a half long because of the sheer amount of work put into a hand cell animation movie this is two hours and 13 minutes long there the original script was pushing three hours they they were able to get it they were able to get it down to two and they don't yeah and they don't skimp on the animation you know there's when when the leaves blow when the leaves blow in this every single leaf blows with detail i I believe this is the most expensive ghibli movie to date and it looks it shows it's on the screen and my general my general impression and not to make it a negative impression but it's just sort of the if cartoons this is, Disney this is what i car- think you know if this is what i you yeah. messaged me last night i'm excited go on disney and just general cartoon you know animation in the west you know american american movie animation is just is just humiliated by this you know and it's just you can't our disney movies and such and you know anybody don anybody that does the big you know animated movies that has the money to do it you know right to right right up to pixar is, is and Pixar wisely sort of doesn't do the same sort of topics as this, so they sort of have forged their own th- their own level of quality. That's well, it's not as consistent as it used to be. But anyway, it, on to the point is the 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 amount of um, respect for the audience this has and. You know, I don't know, like, what is this based on? This is like a, an original story, right? I right? I think it had some influence to um, a story that he had written. Um, because, right, but it's not like based on a manga or anything like that. No, like he, he first started drawing the sketches in 1970s. Yeah. Um, he started coming along the initial plot line in 1994. Um, the deer, the the elk Yakul, was is actually his own creation from another work that he brought back because he he didn't want Ashitaka to be writing like a horse or like a known creature. He wanted to have a little bit more mythical. So like Yakul is a made up character, yeah. but it came from another one of his works that I don't have in front of me at the moment. But the way this approaches story, and you know good and evil and and spirit and and the you know, supernatural. In it, what where whereas the supernatural has you know a strong metaphorical meaning to the whole story, and the supernatural not just being a like ghost show, you know, or like 
a, a monster or you know it's that it's it's just way beyond i mean we just wouldn't we, we we this would never get made here because there would have to be so much money spent on it that nobody would take the quote unquote risk and of course this movie was a big hit yeah. I don't think it did well in the theaters, but like you know, it, it, it did. It did um, in Japan. I'm not sure. In Japan, yeah. Oh well, it was. I'm not I'm, sure I'm, about the. Hold on. Um, it is I the top grossing. Did. It's the top grossing anime film in the United States in January 20, uh, 2001. Um, but it not right. it didn't fare overall. But it was when it became a um, a DVD release. Right. Um, it's when it ex really exploded over here. But that's right, you know because... our. Yeah. They probably didn't release it very well, and they probably didn't promote it very well. Actually, probably uh, got... so a little background on that, because um, I was I was slightly wrong last week because I said that Disney has the distributing has the distributing rights. They used to have the distributing rights. It's currently under HBO Max, which means it's under Warner right now. But when this was first brought over, Disney did make the broker with them, and Disney wanted them to take the violence out of it. Because they were like, we're not sure right. if we want to put this name. And Miyazaki right. was like, no. And I think, right. if, if I remember correctly, Miyazaki, I think, sent the head of Disney a samurai sword. As <laughs> like, a, no, I'm not doing it. Here's a sword. <laughs> but um, some like little bit of background. When it was brought over to the English script, um, they originally uh, approached Quentin Tarantino to write the localization. And Quentin didn't really want to do it, but he suggested Neil Gaiman. And Neil Gaiman was just like, yeah, that sounds great, but can I see it? But they didn't have, they didn't send him, they just sent him the script. They didn't send him the movie. So he had to go find it to watch it in Japanese because he was kind of on the fence about doing it. And when he saw the Japanese version in theaters, he was like, no, I'm doing this. This movie is oh, fucking course. amazing. It's got Neil Gaiman written all over it. And, and really he didn't, and I imagine the, the, I think Quentin Tarantino would have thrown a few lines in with some of the characters, you know, especially in the in the in the village. But I don't think it would have been radically different. I don't and it's, watching, it's actually, watching yeah. Watching the Japanese language with the American subtitles and then watching, you know, the the dubbed version with the subtitles over it and you see the difference, you know. In the in the lines, it's 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 not very it's yeah he's he's not taking it far off. Which I who would why would you you know you yeah. you trying to you basically try just trying to. I think know. I I think the biggest change from the original is in the beginning at Ashitaka's village. There's a girl named Kaya, who in the American version is his sister, but in the Japanese version that's his future bride and she's a child <laughs> like that's the i think that's the biggest change to the yeah. actual script and everything else is like pretty straightforward so yeah yeah, yeah. so a little bit of background because uh we are going to be watching the dub just so if you're like queuing this up to watch along with us we are watching the dub version because part of it is that that was the first one that was the version i grew up with um i didn't actually write uh, watched the Japanese until I was much older. Um, this was my first uh, Studio Ghibli film, so like it, it's very special to me. And I I actually really like Claire Danes better as San than the Japanese voice actress because I think Claire Dane puts like so much more emotion into the role. 
Um, and that, and, and like Yukira, she does like a fantastic voice actor. I just don't think she's a very good son, but I could be biased because I saw the dub for the first time. And I, I'm actually right. subs over dubs person. I usually watch subtitles first, but that's how I saw it. So um, just a little background on the cast. Uh, Ashitaka is played by Billy Crudup. Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio was actually originally in the running for Ashitaka, and he got very far along in the negotiation process before he dropped out. And I'm not sure how I would like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as Ashitaka. He could do it. He, he could, could do, do it. it. He's flexible. He is flexible. Um, but I, I think like one of my favorite things about Ashitaka is he's a little bit of a melancholy character, and I don't know. I I kind of like that he doesn't have a lot of suave to him, and I feel like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio would make him a little bit too suave, you know? Well, um, it depends. Like, I mean, his early roles were him being totally awkward and not suave, like you know. Uh, Gilbert Grape and Basketball Diaries and stuff like That's that. That's true. So. Um, Son is voiced by Claire Danes. Lydia Boshi is voiced by Minnie Driver. This is my favorite role of Minnie Drivers. <laughs> um, Jiko is voiced by Billy Bob Thornton, who was only the- voice that was recognizable to me, like uh, that I could put a face to. Yeah. Um, and Billy Bob Thornton, just a fun story, was almost always late for recording because, of course, he was. Um, Kuroku is played by, uh, John Melta. Toki is played by Jada Plinkett-Smith. Um, Gonza is voiced by the wonderful John DiMaggio. He's played Bender and, uh, Jake from Adventure Time, all sorts of characters. And Moro is voiced by J- Jillian Anderson. And, uh, Okoto, the blind boar, is the always wonderful Keith David. So that's just a little rundown of, like, the basic English cast. So... A very, very stellar cast for a very, very stellar movie. So I am so excited to get into this and to talk about all the Star Wars-ness. And I am all about this. And Well, how about this, Hope? Since this is your movie, why don't you do the, uh, why don't you give us the rules? Okay, so if you're here for the first time watching a commentary, hello. We will be watching the dubbed version of Princess Mononoke. Um, I know it's changed a little bit with the localization, like in the redistribution, so it might not line up just exactly, but we our version is two hours and 13 minutes long. Um, so just know if it's not that, you might just be a few seconds off from us. And the way this works is we have our wonderful video players set at zero, zero. And when I count down and say three, two, one, go, when I say go, you're going to hit that button. So I think that's Pretty dang straightforward. How Easy was that, Chris? Peasy. Easy, Easy peasy. Well, are you ready to get into the feloniisms of how this movie affected Star Wars, mainly animation? Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty easy. I, I, I watched the video you sent me and I was like, yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, and that's just yeah. for how Son affected Ahsoka. That's not like everything else, like right, Aboshi's right, yeah. garden and blah, blah, blah. So... All right, you ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. I might have to adjust my sound, but we'll see when we get there. Ah, there are three scenes in this movie that are just like blazoned into my head because I like I just rewatched those three scenes, and the first one is the boar attacking Ashitaka's village. Yeah, like it's in my head, and I know it beat for beat. Uh, the other one is Son attacking Iron Town, and the third one is the final when they're returning the head. So. 
the stuff that that really resonates with me are, are is like all the forest stuff. I love the the parts where we're I am we're in the forest, in the swampy parts of the forest, especially. For the life of me, and I I feel like the tree spirits, the Kadama, we have a version of those in Star Wars animation, and I cannot place it for the life of me. But I feel like the, I've uh, seen something like uh, that. The bird that follows Ahsoka around, maybe. Maybe, but like I feel like something looks a lot like the Kadama, and I I, I maybe I'm just making it up, and I just wanted to be there, but. <laughs> But yeah, the majority of this is animation. I think the only CGI they used was some of like the the cloud and scenery shots, and then the 3D on Ashitaga's arm whenever it was bulging when the curse was acting up. Oh. But I think that's the only like CGI they used in the entire. Maybe movie. just to make it look a little unreal. Yeah, I love you, cool. I want a giant elk to ride. I mean, so, there's just so he, details in this that you just don't, like, you know, they can't do it constantly because, you know, human beings just can't do that much work. But there's points of this, there was a scene back there where he's running, and the shadows of the trees are just like... Moving you, you with know, him. Yeah, and it's not, and it's not just like a little repeating pattern that they threw on, which they could have done. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shortcuts they could have taken in this that nobody would really notice. So this was kind of like with us getting into the Tales of the Jedi next week. Because um, the first Tales of the Jedi short is the one in Ahsoka's village. And Ahsoka's village reminds me so much of Ashitaka's. Even like with the, like the, the wise healing woman and specifically a woman. And like they're kind of similar in designs as well. And I I have a feeling Dave was like, let's make it like Ashitaka's village because you have a beast in the forest, just how like Ahsoka's mother had to fight a beast in the forest, and um, that like changed both Ahsoka's and Ashitaka's destiny. So, ah, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of first. I love this tower too. I always was I would be scared to climb it, but it looks very it looks actually very sturdy and functional. Right. You can sort of see how they built it, you know. Whether something like that would really work or not, who knows? But it looks like it. I I love this music. This is this is a score that like lived on my playlist forever. Mm. Yep, absolutely love the score. The, then the drums kick in like that. Chicka 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 chicka. <laughs> and I love how every little thing sets up ev- like other scenes as well. Like Nago is only in this opening scene, but he has he's such he's probably one of the more important characters throughout the rest of the film, even though he's only in this scene. I love how the ground looks behind him, like, burning up and sort of rotting. Mm-hmm. Oh. That design is something that's also, like, constantly reused in Ghibli as well, because... Um... Well, because it makes my brain hurt, because, like, trying to tell somebody, okay, the... the, the 
this is how this thing moves and 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 it's just mind-numbing because it's just a roiling mass of like blood slime worms yeah. <laughs> type thing but like they that reuse that design um like when no face transforms into spirited away like when he turns into his, like a second form and he's eating everybody like this is like a very similar design minus all the blood worms see like isn't that very much like ahsoka's village it's like it's very similar and kind of like the layout and like the the people and oh yeah well i love I this mean, shot his his visual his visual stuff that he used is like super obvious. The stuff that really made me interested are the thematic things that he that just you oh, can tell uh, yeah. he's like I want to put this into Star Wars. <laughs> so a fun this fact is what if, Star if Wars needs. Fun fact for anybody who is a Legend of Zelda fan: um, this movie was also a heavy inspiration for Breath of the Wild. Like, that shot where the creature comes out of the woods and, like, Ashitaka rides out and the creature turns and goes after the girls, um, that's almost shot for shot the very first Breath of the Wild trailer. When the Guardian comes out of the forest, turns, seeds Link, and then runs at him. Um, but yeah, like, this movie was a heavy influence for Breath of the Wild, too. Which makes me happy as a Zelda fan. Especially, like, a lot of the designs and, like, you can actually ride, like, the deer in, like, Breath of the Wild, too. I love that musical diddle too, like that. I'm I'm kind of quiet because I'm on my second viewing, and I'm now I'm now my eye can go to all the like the edges Details, and watch yeah. like every single little worm running away, running away from them, and the way that they like explode out, it's just it's I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, there are things like I've seen this movie so many times, and there are things that I still notice, like um. Like, I always knew, like, at the end, like, the lepers are healed, but I find I noticed finally, like, when they're all in the water, like, the leper is, like, looking at herself, like, holy shit, I'm healed. The yeah. forest god healed me. But, like, uh, this wise woman here is very much like the Togruta wise woman in the first Tales of the Jedi short. Um, like, they have yeah. kind of, like, similar designs, and, like, they play the exact same role of... The wise woman just like um, going to Ahsoka's parents and being like Ahsoka's a Jedi and like she's the one that gives Ashitaka his fate. Um, so there's a lot of similarities between like this and we'll we'll see that like next week is stuff too. But like this very much screams. Um, mm, I love the boy. Uh, so fun fact: when they first released the trailer, because up to this point, like Ghibli was really known for kind of more cutesy stuff, like like. Kiki's delivery service and stuff like that. Um, Miyazaki was like, when you release the trailer in Japan, put in all the violent shit. So parents know exactly what this movie is and they take their kid, they judge their kids correctly. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's the, the thing is, 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 well, I, I, I mean, I think nowadays the well, the violence in this is still, it's even, it's, it's, little more so than like you know just sort of fun weird way to put it fun violence of like you know uh fighting you know fighting in like power rangers or something like that you know or mm -hmm. or like lots of sword fights but like yeah this this violence has you know is two like fully fleshed out characters mm-hmm 
but at, at the same time i think like i don't know i like if i had kids like i wouldn't take a five-year-old to this but i would take an eight-year-old to this yeah, I, and it was at, this movie was actually really popular with kids in Japan as well because they actually grasped a lot of the themes better than the adults. Oh, and part, yeah. Part of the reason why Miyazaki chose this era, because th- this is based on a real era, like the Eboshi are real people who lived in Japan. Um, this was kind of the, the transition from the old days to the modern revolution. It was it was that kind of that time period. So um, he wanted to make a movie that was reflected of young people kind of getting lost in this transitional world and not quite sure knowing their place, which is a big part of like San and Ashitaka's story. But I, I know that like San is the direct influence for for Ahsoka, but Ashitaka's story actually like resonates with me with Ahsoka so much as well, because Ahsoka is also part of a dying culture. She just doesn't know it yet. Because the Jedi at her time are about to get wiped out and she's about to be like one of the last. And Ashitaka is very much in that that place too. He's the last prince of a dying tribe. And he has to leave and he can't come back. And it's kind of like that with uh, Ahsoka as well where after Order 66 she can't return to the Jedi. Like her way of life is gone and she has to set out and find this new unknown course to see in her own ways with eyes unclouded. Like Ashitaka has to, because Aizen Clouded to her is trusting the Force when there's no nothing to lead, and he has to find his own kind of balance as well. And I'm going to talk a lot about balance, because I like the environmentalist story is of course a big theme of this this movie, but I think a major theme is finding balance between people, between nature, between your own personal darkness, which I find very fascinating about Ashitaka's journey. So. This this like this speaks to something way like it has an environmental theme to it or an environmental you you could put an environmentalist theme to it, but I think it speaks to like a deeper you know a deeper like flaw in humanity. I mean, basically, like I you know everybody has their motivations in this, and some of their motivations are partly good. But it's the but like all the humans' motivations are at are the there's just there's net the the humans are just not going to give up on killing and exploiting they're just into it you know and and the humans are like the source of all you know the it's it's the iron balls that are you know planting the seed of of hate the demon of hate in in the you know these these animals and uh and he's like i like how he's like he's he's the hero of the story and it's just made very clear that like we're not going to put this he can't be the the solid white hero, you know what I mean? The like Yeah, solid, he can't like come he's, in and be like, already, I have all the answers. Like he's not that he's, person. Or no, or just he's he's he is like kind of he's not perfectly, you know, like pure and righteous uh, as a character, but he is the the like he is like almost innocent and like he wants to solve everything without violence 
That's why Ashitaka is like more of a Jedi to me because he, so much of this is he he keeps saying like, can't you find a way to live in balance with the forest? And and like, that's actually like why Asan trusts him because she, like not only does the forest God say, hey, this like Ashitaka person is cool. It's also you're cool. Like his elk, like his elk is just like, hey, he's cool. (laughs) He's pure. He's pure at heart. He, he, he just. It's not even like he's a Jedi. It's almost like he. It's not even like he was trained to it. He just comes to it. He's just like, look, this is, you know, I want everybody. I want everybody to be happy, and I can see everybody's, every, you know, we're all we're all living creatures here, and we all have our motivations, and none of us are like flat out evil. But if if he was just that character through the story that that, that he can't win this you can't win being that because that doesn't even exist so he is Mm -hmm. he's just right from the beginning he's got he has he has he is a flaw like you know basically artificially implanted into his arm and it's and it comes in handy at key times (laughs) like this so like this and is it's kinda horrifying like, at the same time. Well, that's what I like about him too, is because like when I, when the the demon in his arm reacts on like three different like versions. Um, it's whenever he gets angry, it reacts and like it starts like going crazy. Whenever he uses violence, like in this scene, um, it reacts. And then when it when he sees the dear god, which is like the like the pure version of like light and death, and it's like the darkness in him is reacting to the light. Which, like, again, is about, uh, so much of it is about him trying to find his own balance because when he's angry, it's trying to, like, prey on his anger and his own personal rage at everything. When he uses violence, most of the time he's using violence to protect people, but it's still violence. So it kind of goes to that Jedi. And he's trying not to. He's always giving people chances to, like, not be violent. And that and that's a very Jedi thing too, because like Jedi do have lightsabers and they can kill people, but they try to find every other method first and try to talk people down before they have to use violence. And then the third version is just um, the darkness just reacting to the light. So Billy Bob Thornton's character I thought was going to be more like a Yoda character in this instead of kind of a manipulative prick. <laughs> so so the funny thing about Jigo is when Miyazaki first started writing him, he actually didn't know what he wanted the character to be. Like, he wanted him to be a monk. He wanted him to be a mercenary. He wanted him to be a government spy. And he also wanted him to be a genuinely good guy. And he couldn't settle on any of them, so he decided to kind of do all four. Just make Which him is, all of it, yeah. And I kind of like that because... a character like him would be? He's like a... I mean, these kind of characters are universal, but you could take him... There were characters like this, like in the 60s and 70s in the CIA. And guys who were just sort of in it for for their, whatever their own reasons were and would just, like, get involved in weird stuff to, to do it. They liked the challenge or whatever and were kind of amoral. And, you know, this guy's just like, yeah, you know, and... And he uses everybody to he manipulates everybody and everything to to, you know, we're seeing the fruition of of his plotting mind while he's just looking like he's sort of like bumbling through things. I I slightly disagree with you because I I don't think Jigo's fully that I think he genuinely likes Ashitaka. Like, I think he genuinely likes Eboshi. 
But oh he sure, but he's setting do. this all up to get to where he can get the head. <laughs> you yeah, know? which is him he's, just he's kind like of this... doing his job. Like you know, the yeah. emperor was like, "Here's your job," and he went, "Okay." Yeah, um, that's why they called Quentin Tarantino for this because that's how he does characters too. You know, he he will do a character that like he will take an evil character and make you like him for a scene, or he'll take you know, uh, and his good characters are usually you know are usually very, you know, flawed or complex. So he, you know, he, this, this, I, I can see the logic in them picking Tarantino. A lot of people would think like, oh no, Tarantino would put hipster dialogue in it, but he wouldn't. It's not his movie, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I imagine, it, but Neil, Neil Gaiman though, that's, I mean, that's just like perfect, perfect match. This is mm-hmm. this is this reminds me a lot of Sandman, the the Sandman comics, which are of that same like shockingly more complex and respectful of the reader than you know usually anything else that took place in like the dream world or something like that. That would just be like, ooh, look at the weird things in the dream world, you know. That mole. I like that he picks it up with the same thing he's eaten with. But you know, where did that cut? Where did that seed come from? It came from the iron, iron refinery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would say out of all the characters, Jiko is probably the closest to being a villain. But even then, like, he's not a horrible person. Like, he's just doing his job. Oh, no. I, I, I I would argue the villain is I, I can't remember her name, but the woman who's in, in charge of the iron mill. I, I disagree that's Iboshi. Um because so much of her story is she wants to provide a safe haven for sex workers and lepers. Like that's mm-hmm. why she made Iron Town. And uh-huh. so so much of it is just like she needs a way to provide for these people. How does she know how to provide for these people? Okay, well, we'll make iron and make money, and now we can feel, feed these people to keep them safe. But what ends up turning around is it's like she's going into the world of, like, she's invading the forest, but she needs money to feed these people to keep them safe. So like, even then, like, she's still just kind of doing her job because um, she's trying to protect her people. And right. it's a society of people of like sex workers and lepers who in Japan, if you had leprosy, if you were a sex worker, like you were just not in society. And she treats them like human beings. Well, and and so this like this is why I love the complexity of this. Because, exactly. Like you know who I, she, but you know who she reminds me of in 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 superficial ways, not like in a basic way. Charles Manson. <laughs> Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Was like, you know, we, he's like, I took, I took the, the these rejects of your society, these people that were turned out of society, and I, you know, I brought them here and I gave them something to do. I gave them purpose. I fed them, you know. I mean, uh, for a a like, uh, you know, there, she, there there's a level of yes, and and you can tell she has an affection for the people there, but at the same time, she's also like. You know, it's it's she's she's like a a factory owner. You know, if you have a factory owner that's, you know, taking people and putting them in a better situation, but still exploiting them, and at the same time, I don't see it as exploiting. 
mean? Because they wouldn't have had any other jobs. They wouldn't be able to have any other jobs, so they'd just be starving yeah. on the street. That's, so, like, this that's, that's the kind of the society. Like, right, she's right. not exploiting them. She's giving them right. a life and a, a place to live and food. And it also is a good place to get loyal people. But she ha- but she, she also is has plans beyond that. You know, she... She is into getting rich and making weapons and, you know. Well, the reason she wants to and, make weapons is so the women can defend themselves. Right. But at the same time, they're also planning on as it as they're planning on. Well, when we, when we talk about also defending ourselves, we're also talking, you know, she's been the one like messing up the forest and killing off. The, the animals in the forest and killing well, off the forest. Also, so the, also the forest is going to react. Well, also defending herself against outside forces because I don't. I think it might be Toki. Well, she's got the samurai it. too coming well, after. Yeah, because I think it was Toki or or one of the other women who says that like no one bothered us until we made money, and now the emperor and Lord Asano wants our iron. Like no one cared until we had money, and so now we have to defend ourselves against the people um, that are trying to invade our world. Um, See, no, I'm also, I'm not arguing that she's the villain, but I'm arguing that she's the closest thing to me to a villain because she is. I did there's... think that when I was younger, like my like after like the more I watched this, the more I was just like, nah, well, she's just like trying to do her thing because so much of this movie is about finding balance. You know, like there's a way to get the iron while living in balance with the forest. Right, right. Like well, if that's. If she... that's... If that's she like worked is... with the gods, like I'm sh- like they would have been like, and and that's just that's another theme of the movie. Well, it's like it's it's almost a statement on a human failing of empathy because she can have empathy for her people, but she's not having you you she can't she can't make she like actually like kind of steadfastly just refuses to make the the thing of like maybe there's something different we can do maybe we can just build you know. And, you know, at the same time, like, her iron is mostly getting sold for weapons and for... So, and... it, it But that's the thing is, this is not trying to answer the question. We're not going to come out at the end of this and go like, oh, this, this is bad and good one, you know? It's not... It's raising the questions and the... the it's existential stuff that, you you know... If you're gonna mm-hmm. if you're gonna try to come out with an answer with it, it's probably gonna be really stupid. Yeah. And uh, th- this just, uh, I mean, watching this movie makes you think of like, you know, flaws in in human nature, you know, and humans, just general humans, um, um, relationship with nature, and how like, how how do we you know, and if you even do want to live in balance with nature, how do you do that in the first place? You know, mm-hmm. and, and nature is also not just also like nature is in like, say, a Disney movie, like say or, or say uh, like a, I think it's Don Bluth, like Fern Gully, where, you know, nature is just this big, happy, goofy thing. And here nature is threatening. Nature is dark. Nature is is often aggressive and angry and mean, <laughs> you know, if it's mad at you and merciless mm-hmm. and, uh, and, or just completely sort of, <laughs> sort of human and not human at this. These, these things are great. They just, 
They just are. The Kadama they, they just are. are. They're, th- they're thinking and non-thinking at the same time. They're just like sort of like mindless tree energy. It's it's amazing. It's 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 just amazing. That's just a beautiful shot. Look at all the different layers they had on the. Every time I see a shot like this, I see a guy up like twenty feet in the air with like glass. Pl- He's looking down through like eight glass plates separated by three feet in between each one of them and stuff. They actually did go to a, an island with a with a real forest like this. So like, because Miyazaki was like, "This is what I want." But to like go back to like the nature versus like thing, um, humans side because like a big another thing like because this is sort of a historical piece but not quite. But this was also like this time period that the suicide in was kind of like the first time period of like humans were starting to deforest stuff because they were becoming more advanced in this time period in Japan and it was and so like it was a big kind of thought of like how do we not take too much? I uh, well, I, I, I also of, just we were, got struck by the thought yeah, that. Go ahead. that that he and San are the two humans in this, that they're the only two humans in this. And that's why they're, they're able to be just sort of into the forest that acknowledge. And and that's the thing is in the end, humans and nature are the same thing. We are Mm -hmm. this, we're, we're just as much this as those boars or, you know, that's so uh, true because Miyazaki talked about that because he was like the reason that humans were have been able to thrive and grow is because the nature because nature let us. You know, we didn't take it from nature. Nature let us thrive and grow. So we have to learn it's how to respect not even, it. It's it's not even separate. We're we're thriving and growing as nature, but not in balance with the rest of it, you know. But that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that he just he just she she is in like n- realizes she's in, in in balance with or she is nature because you know she was adopted and also her parents sound like kind of turds they sound like kind of like Ray's parents as of the force awakens but uh um but he he just is he he just is you know he just he just like he 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 goes into the forest with no ill will you know or no, he, like, asked, he asked permission to go into the forest. Yeah. He yeah, asked yeah. the Kadama, "Can you? Can we have passage through your forest? And can you lead us?" Like he asked permission because he respects it. But um, a few things I just wanted to point out, Star Wars wise, because because we were talking about nature when the Loth wolves showed up with Ahsoka. <laughs> like it's very clear that the the, the wolves of this movie yeah. were the inspiration for the Loth wolves. And of course, like with, when it comes to Ahsoka, and um, I'm saying this now, so I, you remind, so you hear this for when you're editing. Um, my friend Scotty, um, they did a video breaking down like Son's design and how it influenced Ahsoka. Um, so I want to make sure we put that in the show notes. But I, I also argue that the the dear god of the forest was an er, kind of an inspiration for Bendu, from like his feet to his horns to having a kind of a human face. Um, yeah. And how he walks on water and he makes like the the ripples come out when he's healing Ashitaka later. It's the exact same as the world between worlds. Yeah, well, you know, to me, Filoni is sort of acting in, in a sort of George Lucas mode, and George Lucas brought his cinematic, films. yeah, his cinematic ideas from from the stuff that influenced him as a child. 
So why 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 not have Filoni do this? And I I I would bet good money that probably when this came out, George Lucas watched it, you know, and probably loved it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Whatever it was. I'm watching the elk sigh, waiting for it to blink. I know it's gonna blink. No, they didn't put a blink in there. <laughs> But I love how it captures, like, just being, like, I grew up around in, in basically in the woods, in the forest, and, like, you could walk through the woods and come into a a little area with a swamp, very, very much, like, not as lush as this. This is, like, you were saying, more rainforesty almost. And, of course, the ironworks, this, this reminds me a lot of... Uh, the Mad Max movies. So I think that this, you know, the Mandalorian episode, the Jedi, like the first one where it oh, yeah. shows up. So you have that town that's surrounded and it's all kind of like, like burnt down, like burnt and like, like lifeless and stuff like that. But in the center of it where the magistrate is, where Ahsoka fights her, it's a lush garden. It's gorgeous and it's yeah. beautiful. That's essentially Iron Town. Um, so it's like the, uh, you know, you have the outside cat that's more industrial, but then you have like the center part where Lady Oboshi's garden is, and I and that's very much a direct reference to this movie. And 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 I mean, I I was reading this movie, got it from westerns, from John mm-hmm. Ford western movies with with the you know western little western town, and and like Mad Max got it with like uh, Barter Town with mm-hmm. with uh, which I don't know if you've ever seen Beyond Thunderdome, but Tina Turner is sort of playing playing the queen of barter town you know and in a very similar role and and also a very like gray role you know where she's love- the bad she's the bad guy in the in the movie but like by the end of it you're like well you know she was just doing what you know <laughs> no harm done <laughs> you know so i just want to slide in right fast because Ooh, i know hope really that that actually should be you like i really should recommend the the weakest of the mad max movies to you to just compare to this because it's now that i'm thinking about it it's very similar so i know that like ashitaka and son like get a lot of like the like the thing of being like the big romance of this movie I'm sorry, Kuroku and Toki are the best romance of this movie. Hot take. I love Toki and Kuroku. I love how he's just like this dorky kind of guy. And like, she's like this like fast talking lady that's sassy. And she doesn't take, well, none of the women take any shit from any of the men. But like, I love their romance. And like, she has like a little scene later where she's like, don't ask me why I love him. He's an idiot, but he's mine. And I'm like, I love them. I love Toki and Kuroku so much. And like, Toki to me also has one of the most Jedi lines at the end, which, uh, which, uh, if I remember, I'll talk about. But it's it's when they're escaping, and when I heard that line, I was like, that is a Star Wars line, right there. Like that's something that Leia would say. <laughs> I love Toki. She's my Toki's probably my favorite character, actually. Thanks, stranger. My husband's an idiot, but I'm glad he's safe and sound. That's a relief. I was starting to think I'd done something wrong by bringing him back home. I like how he's like, well, I shouldn't open my mouth. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and she's so kind of, oh, she, I love this joke too. Just like, oh, I thought I did something wrong. Okay. 
I always wonder, though, in uh, in westerns, especially, and in this movie, or just like the like for like all the women from the brothel, they always are like sort of like horny, and I would think like women that have were like taken taken away from the brothel life would maybe like not be horny for a while. <laughs> you know, they're 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 not as much hor- like body. You know, body and horny, and and it's like, I I always figured that like in a brothel, all the women were like that was part of the you know that was part of the act. It was like you know when you're you're a waiter or waitress, you know you put on an act for the customer. But in, in movies, they're always just like, although I imagine you would you would develop a rowdy body sense of humor also in that in a sort of demanding and. You know, let's face it. During this time period, probably a very depressing job. I, I, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm sliding in here. Um, I, it's so hard to animate weight, and just animating the weight of that door. But uh, to to touch on what you're saying, I, I actually don't know because uh, I actually don't know enough about the uh, like I'm, I'm very like pro sex workers, like getting, giving them like rights and stuff like that. But I, I don't actually know. To be honest well, with you. you know, like I'm pro sex workers too, but I'm also like, you know, gonna take I, into account the reality of you know 1300s sex workers, you know, or yeah. even modern sex workers. There's a lot of them that are like, you know, there's there's the idealized situation that a sex worker should have, and then there's the the situation that they have like in in society, you know, ba- and also and and how the society looks upon them too that factors into the quality of life. But, yeah, I, I actually yeah. What what I'm saying is I don't know enough about what work is like outside of being a sex worker. So um, if we have yeah. any sex workers listening, um, if you wish to remain anonymous, uh, or you know, or, just let me know and like leave us a comment. Like uh, I would like or, to know. Or history majors who know something about 13th century Japanese sex work. <laughs> yeah, or just in general. Or 14th century Japanese sex work. So, like, what I like about the scene, uh, the scene in the next scene with the lepers is, like, they're really, like, fleshing out, like, Aboshi's motives. Like, you know, she she wants this to be a safe haven for lepers and sex workers. And the whole reason that she has Irontown is to protect them. And But to do that, like, she needs to be able to feed them. And to be able to feed them, she needs money, which is the whole reason why they make iron. So, uh, like, her intent is noble, but she just went about it the wrong way, and of course that in turn clashed with the boars, which in turn affects Ashitaka. Um, so it's it's so there, there's so much about like like nuance here because like I don't think Aboshi is a horrible person. She's just she, stubborn, she just stubbornly doesn't want to. She stubbornly is just you know no matter what she sees in front of her that's she's just like it, it, you know i we need that forest for the iron there's just no way about it you know and i and i think a lot of it is like what reason does she have to trust ashitaka you know he's this like person who's just like rolled into her town and like you know she's grateful that he saved two of her men but there's no like he's just like hey save the forest and i'm sure to her she's all she's hearing is hey, I'm going to stop you from making money and feeding on your people. And, like, I could see, like, she has every reason to be like, no, I don't know you. I'm sorry that you got cursed because of Nago, but, like... 
Not my problem. Yeah, <laughs> but she's also operating in a very s- supernatural world, and like, I mean, like people are like people are just like as soon as they see this guy, they know like you can just sort of see that like he's being blown in the winds of fate, you know that like you know she's she is just completely not going to she is like a representation of just like the human desires you know the the human like completely pragmatic worldly desires and a refusal to you know when when you say the supernatural here you're you're basically talking about nature she's basically like you know i, I i'm sorry i'm just I'm sorry if, if you know, the forest has to die for my people to live. The forest is going to die, you know, and that's just the way it's going to be. You know, it's like stubbornness. And she's... It, when, when there's a right way to do it where they can, like, we'll do this, we'll, we'll ask permission for this part of the forest, but we'll, like, regrow these parts of the forest, which, which where the ape tribe comes in later, because the apes are trying to replant the forest, and she's the one shooing them away. Um, but even then, like the apes clash with Son and the wolves because, uh, like, like even like the gods are not really sure like how best to handle this too. Like, <laughs> and so much of like Son and the wolves and Moro are just like you can't just fight them. Like there has to be a different way to do this. And well, Moro is like, don't charge in there, stupidly, boars and apes. But like they don't have, a, they don't know what else to do. There's, I mean, the thing, of, and 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 another thing about it is making iron is not easy uh, right right here we're seeing it and and uh, i mean you have to have fuel for fires and like people are probably you know and a certain amount of people are probably dying from like black lung disease and stuff, <laughs> stuff you know but it's the better practicality than, of doing it's better it, it's than being of, like homeless and jobless on the streets like this right, is a much but better I'm life saying, i'm saying there's other things that you can do with 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 the amount of effort that's being put into this they, they i mean see they're really like showing you like they they have to put a lot of work into doing this it's hard but that's hard work. Like the, that's very much the point like these women would not be able to get any other jobs anywhere else right they'd well, be shunned I'm, out of society I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying you could put the same amount of time and energy into say ah uh, here's ooh. the magic straits garden from the mandalorian yes yes But like you know, grow food. <laughs> you know, uh, well, who would buy it from? Like, because people would be like, "Oh, it was grown by lepers. I bet it's diseased food." You maybe, know, maybe or or you know, you, you, there's 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 you know, I mean, you know, basically that that this is formed because they found an iron deposit in the sand in one place. And they 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 exploited it. So she could find she could find something else, but it's about it's it's this is the the path. It's it's a very human nature thing. This is a path we've established. It's sort of the path of least resistance, or it feels like the path of least resistance. But like I mean, if they worked with the forest, they might be able to grow food. They might be able to make like the best wine in the area you know so you know there's 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 a you know i mean we're just sitting spitball and stuff they could they could spitball stuff too she's she, 
But then there wouldn't be a story. (laughs) Well, no, I I think this really speaks to like, you know, it's just like, you know, how do you how do you get humans to understand? (laughs) So I'm going to slide in here to talk about uh, to touch again on balance, because like Ashitaka got mad and now his arms reacting. And that, again, is playing onto the whole like almost like like Anakin. In a lot of ways of just like when he taps into his anger, a literal embodiment of darkness is trying to come out and solve the problem. Yeah. And the arm is going, the, the, to solve this problem, we'll just kill Oboshi and problem solved. But that is not the proper path. It's it's actually a much harder path of Ashitaka trying to find this balance than just killing Oboshi and moving on with his life. Because that's not the right path. And so... Um, so I, I I get like I I know again like San is so much of a Soka, but like Ashitaka to me is like a very Jedi character because he's fighting his this like very embodiment of darkness that's attached to him that all he did was become angry and anger leads to hate and hate leads to the dark side but like his ray he doesn't want his hate to come out and he even tells that to the rest of Iron Town when San attacks he says. Look at me, like this is what hate looks like. It looks like this when it when it's all like a bunch of serpents and demons and stuff coming out of his arm. He says, "This is what hate looks like," because and and so, um, yeah. <laughs> you know what? This also kind of reminds me a little bit of Lethal, like in the later seasons of Rebels, like when yep. it's been stripped down, and like people have like completely lost their their homes and their farms because it's been. Completely here's, stripped down. Here's here's another thing: is I love monkeys, and she's shooting at the monkeys, so she's not making <laughs> points with me. The the ape tribe is so interesting because they're only in two scenes, which is or actually three scenes, like the scene when they talk to the son of the world wolves, and then later when they're fleeing. Um, I, I find them very interesting because they're, well, they, they're 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 the tribe that gets at the end. They look they more look, like apes. Yeah, and so that goes back because like. Whenever they are interacting with San, they and the, and the wolves later on, they're trying to do a hateful thing because they want to eat Ashitaka's body. So, like, if we eat him, we'll become his strength, we'll become man. And she's like, No, that's your anger talking. So, like, not even the ape tribe. And, like, later on when they're fleeing, they like, so it's like when they're talking about like harming Ashitaka, they look like monsters. But later on, when they're just fleeing, they look like normal apes, which I find see, really interesting. There was the, she, that line there. She goes, perfect, per, per, just perfect for ruling the world. Well, she's joking because that's that's building on a joke earlier because one of the lepers said, you better watch out. Lydia Boshi wants to rule the world and she blows off the joke. And so he asks her again, how does it feel? And so she jokes back. It feels like yeah. ruling the world. Yeah, yeah, so it, no, it's a she joke. Wants, but she does want to r- rule the world. You know, I, I don't think so. I don't take it that way. It's a, it's, if not literally, it's a, it's a, it's symbolic of the drive. But yeah, here they're explaining about how they're like doing like what twenty hour shifts or something like that. It's hard work, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You bet. And our shifts are four days long. You must lead hard lives here. Yep, I suppose. Yeah. But it sure be I like how they write women. Huh. We're very much like this when we're in groups together. <laughs> 
But Toki even says it's better than this life is better than anything else that they could have gotten. Because they wouldn't have the respect anywhere else. Well, yeah. Look how the monkeys look like I also think there's like, like metaphors for like industrialization in there, like industrialization oh, yeah. There's bringing so many metaphors for so much shit in this yeah. movie. Yeah, but it's all just. It's see, it just like we could sit and have a million of these these arguments of the interpretation of it. It could change on the next viewing of it. Mm-hmm. It's and and like Western yeah, like I American said, when movies. When I was younger, I hated Eboshi. I thought she was a villain. And now, like the more I've watched it, and the older I've gotten, I'm like, nah, she's just looking out for her people. The only reason she joins Jigo is because Jigo's like, hey, if you help me with this, I'll get those samurai off your back. And she's like, cool, let me yeah, go kill a god. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's looking she's looking after her people but she can't see beyond her people you know mm-hmm. well that's true for a lot of people yeah oh well, yeah 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 i mean that's the thing is that's especially because like this, when we're in if like this is an american movie there'd be all sorts of conversions and and exactly oh, i eyes being opened by the end you know anybody it's, that wasn't uh, that's actually a very Andor thing because that's very much Martha's yeah. speech where she was like, we've always had Ferrix, but if we just look at Ferrix and protect, pr- protect Ferrix, then the rest of the galaxy is going to, to crumble around us and it will still come to us. Like, we can't just protect yeah. Ferrix. We have to protect everybody, which is very much this. Eboshi is just protecting Irontown, but she's not protecting everything, the forest included. And really... By preventing her from ripping down the forest, they're probably preventing the forest from destroying them, you know? So what I like on the scene is, now that like I'm aware that Sans the, like, the basis for Ahsoka, like, you can see Ahsoka's movements and Sans' movements. Yes. It's, it's so apparent. Especially how, how she runs and how she fights and how she does the reverse grip with her knife. Because Ahsoka started off with a reverse grip lightsaber. And just like the paintings on her face and her mask is very much like Ahsoka's markings. Little drunk guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel for Dave Filoni because he can he can I mean sneaking the visual stuff in is easy. You know he's kind of in charge of the show and it's not stuff that's so wild and crazy that anybody would go like, no, you mustn't ever do that, Dave Filoni. But the thematic stuff, you mm-hmm. can see. How he like tried to rework the 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 way the force works and the way you know the way things happen within the force to this. He tried to make it more, you know. He tried to bring a more more like mystical element to it that wasn't just like oh look force ghosts and you can move things and stuff like that like you know a true a true mysticism to it and like you know great greater movements of stuff through other stuff and 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 like that and you can tell like some stuff (laughs) that i think was mostly like lucas or lucas's daughter inspired like you know they they didn't take all of it but they took little bits of bits of it you Mm. know with like the 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 father the daughter and the and the the son Yeah, and this is, and we're like, okay, that's a little scene. too on the nose. This is that, the second scene. Also... Sorry, this is the second scene that's like emblazoned in my mind. That like I know it beat by beat. <laughs> Continue. 
That's all I was going to say. <laughs> I just get fascinated with all the, like, splintering wood and it's... What I love is the crowd shots, because no two people look the same and they all move differently. Yes. Like, that's so much work. That yes. is so much work. You literally have to have, like, it's almost like hiring actors. You have to have, you, I mean, usually some... the way they do it is they'll have an animator for each they they Character, did do so that... some actors for some of the fight scenes to get to get the fight movement down, um, well, so it looks realistic. So they, I just they... mean the animators have to be like actors, you know, like you you want to get like five or ten different animators and they're doing each person, so they all have individual things, you know. Like I mean, like it, I know Disney does that, like where each character like. They'll probably have many animators working on them, but they're all under the direction of somebody who's going to keep that, you know, character acting like as if an actor is doing it, you know, like their character, you know. They're going to make sure all their movements are, you know, line up with with what they're like. And, and there's a lot of cartoons where everybody just moves alike, you know. Yeah. Because it's Illumination. a lot cheaper That's and easier to do. That's Illumination Studios in a nutshell. Because um, this is very much the fight between the Magistrate and Ahsoka in different ways. I, I'm guessing Illumination Studios probably just also doesn't have the budget of... Well, they, they have marketed their entire thing. Like, they know what they are. They're not yeah. trying to make Pixar. They are just trying to make family movies that are fun for yeah. kids. That people like, We're talking about, like, the Despicable Me franchise. Like... They're not trying to be Pixar. They know what they are. Yeah. And and like or like Life of Pets. Like they're not trying that, but that's that's their thing, and they're fine with that. Like that is what they want, and they want to make money through kind. I don't want to say like cheap because the Speakable the of Me is actually a really good movie, but like you know when you get into like other stuff like The Grinch with Benedict Cumberbatch, like um. It is a much cheaper version than something like the Jim Carrey or even the original. Like it's it's very everything moves the same. Everything's kind of like silly and stuff. She just bites him. All of them got demons inside of them. Mm-hmm. And that demon's inside of him because of her. But it's it's being triggered by his anger, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the reason but, it came out is because he was angry. But, but but her bullet in the in the Boar King, you know, sent that, that demon-filled boar into his village. I, I think, though, if, if he just arrived and saw this, he would still have the same anger. Oh yeah, and that's what he and that's what he's talking well, about. Like, but, he, well, he still also, has there, that. There's also that anger. They're also like, in in a simpler movie, in a black and white movie, they would be like, he would eventually have to be like, I have to, you know, I have to deny my my evil arm. You know, I have to deny this. He doesn't deny it. He's he embraces it. It is it, which, it is it is, is like, part of what's it's necessary for him to do what he's doing, what he has to do. And, and, that, and that's he's, kind of like he's the, thinking to himself, well, it's going to kill me. And that will be, you know, that's the price I'll pay for, 
for let, u- using the darkness when I have to. That you know, that's going to be but, the price. But, but that's it. that was the flaw of the Jedi is they didn't embrace their darkness. They only embraced the light, right. which is part of their downfall. And on the opposite is the Sith, which they don't embrace their light. So like they never found balance on either side, which is like why it was so, it's so important to, you know, like if the Jedi like would have let Anakin embrace his darkness and find balance with it, then he probably wouldn't have become Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of like, um, it reminds me a lot of the, uh, Ashitaka reminds me a lot of the line from Yoda to Ezra. And I think season two, I'm wanting to say Rebels, um, where he says, it's not about fighting. It's about how you choose to fight, which is very much Ashitaka. Like he doesn't like fighting, but he can. And he chooses to fight to find peaceful meanings, but he tries to avoid fighting as much as he can. And so, so much of like being of Star Wars is like not losing your soul because fighting so much to the point where you lose your soul, then you've essentially lost everything that you were fighting for, which is like something like Luthen Rail in Andor. Like he's lost his soul or, or Saul Guerrero. Like they've gone to like such extremes that they've lost who they are. But when it comes well, to something Lucian's like Lucian's lost his soul, Sagarera's lost his mind. <laughs> but I mean, but, a part of, but that's also part of his soul. But then you get into like, say, like something like Ezra, where he fights, but he learns how to fight the proper way to not lose his soul, which is very much what Ashitaka's doing. Like I could see Ashitaka being part of like Ezra's journey as well from Filoni. I love how cool. I have, I know I said that before, but I just love a pet elk deer. He's like elk. part deer. He's got a little like golden lab in him though too. Mm. Where did I put my chapstick? Here you are. down about 10 15 feet of glass there <laughs> i love that <laughs> the ones are like but we just want to why sister we just want to eat oh okay I love it when people ask someone if they're dead. Are you dead? That woman is evil, and there's no one who can stop me from killing her. So, a lot of Song's journey is also a lot like Sasuke's too, because she is trying to reject so much of her humanity. When she's, of course, very much human. She was raised by wolves, but she is, a, a lot of her journey is rejecting her own humanity. Like Ahsoka, like, she kind of reached this point where she has to decide, does she reject being a Jedi or does she embrace it? And San doesn't fully embrace her humanness, but she can't ignore it by the end of the movie either. So she has to find that balance as well of, like, how am I both? I love how the apes are monsters because right now they're, they want to do monstrous things. But they look normal later. But they look like monsters here. I love that detail. Yes, let us eat the monsters. 
I love all the politics of the wolf, uh, of like the animals too, because like they're not quite sure how best to go about this either. They don't know how to live in balance with the humans. They're not really interested in it, really, either. Yeah, but... and and because it's a very them versus us, and, that, and that's why I like Yakul. Actually, Yakul doesn't have lines; he doesn't talk, but uh, he does a lot of legwork for Ashitaka, actually. By like the wolves trusting him, and like he's the reason San trusts Ashitaka because she's like, Yeah, you cool told me all about your village and stuff. Um, which in turn shows like how animals can be willing to work with humans because San frees him and she's like, There, you're free, go. And well, he stays because he loves Ashitaka. Um, the the and- humans have to work with the like with the animals, the humans have to work towards nature, it's not like. It's not good for like the the animals can't be like okay we got to be more like the humans you know we gotta we gotta think more about sympathize more about the you know this this iron mine or whatever they they they're not interested they're 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 already with they're they're in balance with nature you know they're they're living their lives in the but they're not because humans are part of nature as well you said that earlier so they're not right. fully in balance with nature because no, they're right. not in balance with the humans right. It, and it's be, it becomes their problem when the humans don't live in balance with nature because it screws up all of nature. Or when the humans, when basically the humans aren't living in, when the humans are unbalanced. <laughs> when, when the humans are unbalanced, they act really horribly. When the animals are unbalanced, they act really horribly. But they become unbalanced when they get like infected with human stuff like a, like a, you know, an iron ball. And then, it, and then it, 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 that infects them with hatred. You know, then they start hating the human. You know, it's not their natural state to like be at odds with with the humans, but it, they're they're sort of forced to be at odds because the humans are going to destroy their habitat. <laughs> the Kadama are both really cute and horrifically creepy. They I would have got written out of any American production because they don't drive the they like or the or they would be like there has I to be I love this detail. She cuts the tree and they look at it like, oh <laughs> You were saying I'm sorry. But like in, in an American film, there'd have to be some scene there for one, these things would be doing cute antics. They would be they, the co- like comedic relief characters. Yeah, and and they 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 they'd make more noises. They might not be like the speaking anything, but they'd make more noises and be cuter. And at some point, they would save the day. At the end, they would come running down the hill and like surround somebody or or do or do something. And in this, they're just a manifestation. They're ju- they're just they're just here to to color and add a layer of magic to it. For you know, it's just it's beautiful. That's that's how you make art. <laughs> I was joking with uh with Billy because I told her that you had watched this for the first time, and I was like, "Yeah, the only other one that he has seen is Spirited Away," and she goes, "Spirited Away is not a movie; it's an art piece." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> I, I, that's why I don't remember much about it besides it was beautiful, and like captures that like dream state and those old like like the Alice in Wonderland stuff where it's like kind of creepy you know 
And I think like something that it does so well, um, and kind of like the Kadama in this, you don't need an explanation for everything in a movie. There's a no. lot of things in Spirited Away that are just not explained. Like, no. why yeah. does like certain characters have other things? I don't you're, know. You're you don't need foreign, to know. You're in a foreign place, and there's no way you could ever know. Th- this movie also does... This this movie does not let this movie just gives us it doesn't go too deep into any of the characters besides what we need to know for this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just like um you know um shown through their actions. And and I I, I love that. This just this this it 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 it's it shares with the with the viewer you know it it lets the viewer be a part of all of it you see there's a little bit of almost cg look to that but it's, that doesn't yeah. mean it is hand drawn but it has that weird sort of i love how i love how their heads can turn and sometimes like one aisle all of a sudden become the mouth this the Nightwalker reminds me of the world between worlds, like the like almost like he's the embodiment of the world between worlds. But no, I, I can't quite put my finger on why. Like maybe it's also the storiness, but also some of the patterns or like um, like the swirls and stuff like that. But he just reminds me of like being a walking embodiment of the world between worlds. He's like he's like the forest spirit dreaming. You know, the forest mm-hmm. spirits asleep, and this is what happens when he dreams. He's like. He's a little less, less like conscious and more of just sort of like a moving force of nature. But who knows? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not explained, which is awesome. All we know is that you can actually cut that thing's head off. Changes back. Look, see there? It's happening. This is such Their a good localization. Gaiman did such a good job with the script too. Actually, um, I think it was it was either Mini Driver or Jada Blinken Jada Plinkett Smith. I don't remember which one, but one of them were like used to like kind of riffing, like when they record stuff and like doing that. But because they had to match the dialogue to the, like the words, they were saying it was actually a challenge to like get the timing down right because they weren't used to doing that. Yeah, this is very Filoni. This right here, the the plants growing up and around its feet, everything about the deer is so Bindu, because Bindu was was the middle. He was the rock. He was he brought both life and death because he was just the middle ground and. Um, that's exactly what this deer is. This deer god is Bindu. It's like the early iteration, like even from like some of the markings on Bindu's face matches this god. And yeah. This... But you notice for an American show, you got to have him actually talk and stuff, you know? I I think that, yeah. Um, yeah. He's still mysterious, but mm-hmm. they just can't go as mysterious as this, you know? Mm-hmm. Or just like as like, I mean, if you met a real forest god, why would he be like, oh, blah blah blah, blah blah blah? No, he would just like get, look at you, you know, stare through you, you know, and communicate it through like uh, just feelings and 
And, well, he does that know. later when he kills the blind boar. He just looks at the boar, and the boar yeah. knows. Like, he can hear yeah. everything. Yeah. I love how gross this boar is. It's I love so this. detailed. I love that there's just like carrion birds all around because probably all the boars really smell bad. They're all like sick and messed up. I love his tusk has like little cavities at the tip of it. I love that he's seen us and then we but we don't know that he's like actually blind. His shoes are ridiculous. I love them. Yeah, this is very world between worlds, this entire thing, like how he walks and he makes the the footprints come out. Um, just how like when Ezra was walking along the path, like the his feet did the, the like the, the the exact same thing. Yeah. Mwah. Give it a little kiss. We'll kiss your boo-boos better. Mwah. I mean, look at that little bug. That little bug, like, green on green. It's just so... what, uh, Just so wonderfully animated. I love this part, too, that the god chose not to take away Ashitaka's curse at this point. Because, for one, I think the god is he aware... He still needs it. He's, well, I also think he hasn't found his full balance yet, either. Because he still has, like, succumbs to anger. And like you said, he still needs it later. But I don't think he's he's still fighting it, you know? He hasn't fully come to terms with it. Like, he's still trying to find a way around it. Instead of working with it. And I think later on he gets to the point where he's like, I have to work with this. Like, it's part of me. I can't, I can't just ignore it. Because um, some people interpret this movie um, from, like, the leopards to, like, Ashitaka's curse and everything as also a metaphor for people with disability. Um, I mean, I don't have disability. I'm not even going to begin to speak on that. But I, I have read, like, some people's interpretations about that, about, like, how It not... certainly can. I don't know. You know, it doesn't have to be... It doesn't even have to be intended when they wrote it, you know? If mm -hmm. it, it could... You could you could write this stuff, and that stuff just ends up being, in, you know, subconsciously put in there or just being baked into it. But, yeah, for sure, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think they made this as a movie to, you know, be about disabilities, but yeah. it, it's part of it. It's a, it's definitely a That's what I was saying. Like, this element. movie has metaphors galore. Yeah. But it doesn't slap you in the face. Really. No. I, there no point does it feel like it's going, get it? Get it? It's a metaphor. She's just like, oh, I'm going to do this for a few hours now. When I was a kid, like a teenager, and I first saw this, I was like, oh my god, they're kissing. And now I'm a daughter. I'm like, no, she's feeding him. <laughs> like, that's how I That's how I get all my girlfriends. That's what I always that's ask. That's creepy, how, Chris. I always ask all my girlfriends to feed me beef jerky that way. Because I don't like chewing it. You creeper. Except I, unlike him, I sit there with like my mouth open like a baby bird going, swallow it all down, yum, yum, yum. I always forget that like 
She's like Moro's in so much of this movie, but I always forget like this is her first line. <laughs> she has such a presence, but she doesn't actually like talk until this scene. You know, an hour and eight minutes into the movie. Yeah. She only really needs like four scenes to like get her point across. And that's the kind of the thing about this too is like, um, you know is uh the simplicity you don't need a lot because like even like the the boars are succumbing to rage like they're like we're gonna ask the boar the deer god to kill all the humans and like that's not the point <laughs> that's not what the deer god's telling everybody to do They're really good at animating dog faces too. I like how Moro progressively looks rougher throughout the course of the movie. Yeah. But that's kind of like her thing. Like, she's accepted her fate. She's just like, no, I live long enough, son. I'm going to die. Whatever. Because, like, she's kind of like the first one to be like, this is the fate that's given to me, and I'm just going to accept it and work with it. But even then, like, she has some uh, moments where she is holding on for violence, but she uses the last of her strength for love to save her daughter and also bite off of Boshi's arm. <laughs> Even all the boars move differently. None of them move the same. It's so well animated. You are Moro's human child, aren't you? I have heard of you. He can listen, but he can't see. Ho ho! I love the assumption of like, please don't eat him. Oh, I love Keith David. I believe you, and I thank you for it, young one. I am only grieved and ashamed. Oh, look at all the little hairs on the nose. Yeah. I like that he's losing his hair at the front of his snout to her. It's just worn off or Like this, this isn't the right choice because they're just gonna go into a massacre and be like, "That's fine." <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they're 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 losing. It, basically, like it's they're they're losing their like consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, by by the forest being destroyed. So, like like you said, they're becoming stupider. The apes are like wanting to. The apes are wanting to become like human. Everybody's like. You know, for, without without their leader, all the other the the other pigs are just like, let's go kill. <laughs> hmm. I love this shot. The forest is just like, what's up, everyone? Goodbye. Get a good look. Good luck. See ya. <laughs> but like, he's got a human face. You know, he's he's there's there's a human element to him too. Hmm. But it's also just like a mask. (laughs) And it shows also that, like, the humans are fighting each other as well. Like, what's driving all of this is greed. Yeah. Everybody's greed is... The the humans are driven by greed and and the animals are just living. Mm Mm-hmm. They're just vibing. And and when when they are, when they're getting violent and you know, industrious about stuff, it's because the humans are pissing them off and ruining their habitat. And and the humans are also willing to, like, backstab each other, too. Like, that's that's a big part of the climax, is yeah, like, the mercenaries here get Lady Eboshi to join them because they need her guns. And the only reason she joins them is because she wants help with the samurai from attacking her village. But what do the mercenaries do? They put her people on the front lines. Not themselves. They protect themselves for their own selfish interest. And that's kind of like pretty the mercenary of them. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of like the turn of the people of Iron Town is they see Ashitaka just being like, because they have a means to an end. Like they like, we need to find Lady Oboshi so they can go back to Iron Town because our town is under attack. And in turn, when Ashitaka is like, this wolf will take me to Lady Oboshi, and the people are like, Okay, we'll help you because we need her. But it's kind of like that first like ice broken of like they're working with the animals to better the betterment, to better the betterment, to better everybody because they've never had a reason to work with the animals until that moment. And now they're saying like, oh, the animals are helping us. And it's about finding that balance. I love her little hat. My subtitles are imperfect. It said, uh, they said, instead of emperor, it said boomperer. Mine has instead been saying, instead. mine has been saying princess Mononoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, though. <laughs> yeah, I knew zero about this movie, so I, I was expecting, like, the movie to be centered around you know, like an anime princess type character. And uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. You want it! <laughs> Respect? We never knew I love this interaction, sir. I like his hat, though. Bunch of girls. They were wasted. 
This is also one of my low-key favorite lines, too, because it shows that, like, power in people is only where you put it. Where when she shows the like the letter to the lady, she's like, this is from the emperor. And they're like, that's great. Who's that? Like, we only get power when we put power into things, right? And so if enough people are like, you're our emperor, therefore you have a lot of power. But these people don't know who the fuck the emperor is. So to like them, he has no power here because it doesn't have to do. I, I love this scene. Yeah, there's there's no scene in the emperor's palace. The, the emperor is just a just, you know, a larger, uh, an invisible larger force, you know, kind of like in the first two Star Wars movies, or yeah. the, I guess the first Star Wars movie, where we know there's an emperor, and he's off screen, and he's the reason all the bad shit's happening, but it's kind of like this, like he's, like the emperor's the reason in this that all this stuff is happening. And the emperor thinks that the forest spirit's head will give him immortality, kind of like the Sith. You know, the Sith want to find ways to find immortality because unlike the Jedi who believe in life after the Force, the Sith don't. So they're obsessed with immortality. And they will use that hatred and that hatred and that evil to find a way to get it. Like, it's a very Star Wars thing. Well, and also, it's also like a comment on their idea of immortality being very, like, keep this body alive, you know? Whereas, mm-hmm. like, like as we'll see in the towards the end here the, the you know they quote unquote kill the forest spirit but you don't really kill the forest spirit you know he just yeah. sort of glops glops back into the land and that's like more like true immortality because mm-hmm. like i like Ashitake even says that he says that like um because sounds like the forest spirit is dead and ashitaka's like no the forest spirit can't die it's all around us which is like the forest like the forest can't die it's all around yeah. us yeah, it's we're it's just basically this is sort of like almost has a little like <clears throat> and there's been a lot of okay, we're we're you know, we're in techno you know, we're starting to go towards like industrial, you know, human endeavors. But it's also like yeah, we're there you know, we're we're going there was there was a theme of this in Game of Thrones too, where it's like yeah, the humans are getting really into human stuff, and guess what? The magic goes away. You know, mm-hmm. the 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 overt the overt magic the 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 you know where you can go into the woods every night and see the forest spirit walking around. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's a similar time of transition, or the two transitions are linked together. And it's and it's also bittersweet because we know that like as time goes on yeah the humans become more and more you know the human aspect of the story becomes more and more dominant mm-hmm. I, li- I like this shot of him watching her sleep it's very uh, the way it's animated it very much looks like just somebody who's just like I mean they could have done it comedically and had her like drooling a little bit but yeah it looks like somebody it's not I, creepy either. Like he's no. very respectful of her. And I kind of like I, I really like Moro in this scene as well. Um, because she's still very neutral. She's just like, you could jump. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> just jump. I was hoping you would scream out so I could kill you. Well, yeah. she's 
She's sort of, you know, feeling out her daughter's boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I think this also goes back to, like, Son's character. Because, like, he's trying to argue, like, she's human, too. Like, she just can't 100% reject her entire humanity because she's not wolf. But she can't fully be human, either. And, And, like, he's trying to push back against her. and, And she's just like... What about the humanity? Like, her parents threw her at my feet. What humanity are you talking about? I raised her as my own. And actually, uh, San is the Japanese word for three, as in she's the third child of Moro. See, like, here, Ashitaka's trying to find balance. He's like, why can't you two, like, work together? And I kind of almost wish there's a moment where he was just like, you can talk. Did you ever try talking to the humans <laughs> instead of just killing them? She probably, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, there's, I, I have a feeling like he can hear her talk. He can hear the boars talk. Humans, maybe not, you know. That's true because Yakul doesn't talk, but he clearly talks to San. Right, like, right. And uh, so there might be, but but I feel like the gods might could actually talk. Um, it, but it, it's it's unclear, but I, I like that it's unclear. Like, you know, it's, uh, it, it gives a little bit more, like, ambiguity to, like, how much, how the wolves try to... Maybe, maybe they only that talk laugh. to people Sorry, that are... I love how that laugh is animated. Continue. Uh, may, may, maybe they just won't talk to anybody unless they like him enough. Yeah, because she likes him, but she's she's also a wolf dog god, so she's gotta she's gotta be a you know she's she's you can't you can't detach her from the animal nature, so she's still a little saucy and salty about stuff, but you know. Mm-hmm. She's kind they of treating are. them like, like family. <laughs> they, they all are. Like they, they have that moment where the other two wolves are like, "Can we eat ya cool?" And she's like, "No, you can't eat ya cool. You don't need to eat." <laughs> I always wanted a big, like, fluffy fur rope, like Sans. See, they didn't have to animate like leaves around her body so that when her body moves the leaves move, move with it they or like, when yeah. he, or like right there where he puts the blanket right over there. her and the leaves move all with it too it was like when the first time i watched akira and a char- characters with long jackets would be walking around and they would stop and their and their outfits would settle <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like settle like real outfits do in the air and i'm like how many people died animating this you know how many people's fingers just like were worn off animating this? It's just it's crazy. Some like uh, it, it's it's not proven, but some sources you know, like say that Miyazaki did something like twenty thousand frames by himself in this movie because he Holy wanted cow. it to be perfect. Yeah, I could see that. I could see him going through. In doing like, you know, frames every like, you know, 20 seconds to make sure that like everybody gets the idea of where it's supposed to go and stuff like that. And then like really important scenes going like, I got this. <laughs> this was actually very much his passion project because after he did a few movies, 
Um, and like Ghibli, like we're like very firmly established because of like Kiki and I, I think my neighbor Totoro and stuff like that. Um, he was starting to get older and it was somebody, I, I don't know if it was the producer of this movie or, or one of the other lead animators, but he was thinking between this or a movie about a caterpillar. And the lead animator was like, you've been working on this since the 70s. And keep in mind, this came out in the 90s. He's like, you've been kind of tinkering on this in the 70s. And you're getting older. So uh, are you going to do this movie or not? And he was like, you're right. Let's do Mononoke. (laughs) So like this, this really was like a multi-decade passion project. Stuff like this reminds me of my childhood. I've spent many hours walking down like in the summer down a riverbed you know mm-hmm. yeah that's love- that's all dried out like that with rocks i love her second mask it's my favorite of the two and someone to me that looks the most ahsoka stinks and it burns my eyes that's what they want they're trying to kill our sense of smell it's that damn woman again i love how the the flames are green just Mm-hmm. Like they're burning like sulfur or something. Yeah, like it's a chem- it's a chemical process. Probably that 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 it probably really burns like that when in the smelting process of iron. All the boars have like different designs too. They got their war paint on. Mm-hmm. Their boar paint on. <laughs> you understand? Here is your mask. You know, that boy wanted to share his life with you. I hate him. I hate all humans. So what's interesting in the Japanese version is they don't clearly ever say that Akoto is blind. They just be they're just like your eyes. But they never actually say it. Um, so I, I find that interesting that they, they let the visual storytelling kind of fill in the dots in the Japanese version. So what I like actually about this scene, like knowing that the localization changed Kaya from Ashitaka's bride to his sister, that in the Japanese version, he wants to give this jewel dagger from his original bride to San. So it's almost like a little tiny marriage proposal that's kind of lost in translation. Yeah. But it's still like, you know, it still works in the American version. It still it works. Was, it was something given to him by like his sister. So it's, it's something that means something to him. Oh, uh, we're riding Loth Wolves now, Chris. <laughs> Used to nobody ever getting their hands on this to make this into a live action movie. I will stab any American who wants to. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no, it's a perfect movie. I love this rain, how it's animated, just the first drops yes. and then it all fills in. And how the clouds and the fog roll over Ashitaka. Yeah, you know, he just passes through a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> 
some of the, some of the most realistic looking animated rain. Mm-hmm. And the cloud just passes them by. Kind of see, they're like they're they're doing also like a like a deep focus there, like where the background when that shot that they had back there for with him head on in the the forest in the background, sort of turning under behind him. It's it's like they animated lens distortion. It was it's amazing, uh, like effects that a lens would create. And then, you know, what I like about that scene is he he's technically leaving because everyone's like, nobody wants you here. You're not helping anybody. And so he is technically leaving, but he still decides to, to stay and help in the end because he always wants to help people. Like a Jedi. I love the shot. Ah, oh, love it. No, the worst movie in the entire, the worst moment of the entire movie is coming up. And it breaks my heart every time. Do you know what I'm, the moment? I'm sure you could suggest, you could guess it. I'm not, look at those, they look like factories in the background. Those flags, they look like factory smokestacks. My, my in the fesh. That explains the explosion. Hey, sir, I still got your bow and arrows. Aren't you gonna tell him you've got his cloak and saddle too? Oh, I do. Useless. Many thanks, Kuroku. I'll try and bring you some help. Can you hold mm. out? <laughs> I love Kuroku. Kuroku <laughs> and Tokyo are the best romance of this movie. <laughs> I missed. They're bringing boats across the river. No, nah, we never get to see that though. I know. I love the lepers. I know that's a weird thing to say, but they're like <laughs> kind of they're kind of sassy, like but like they they have, you know, they've been dealt like a horrible lot in life and they're just kind of optimistic of like we actually have like a roof over our head and people who give a shit about us and we're gonna fight for our home i love this arrow don't have much to lose get out of here i didn't mean that as a joke either I okay realized it as i said it <laughs> but but that's not to say that i wouldn't have made that joke <laughs> i just didn't mean to but, oh, but like leopards basically saying. have a death sentence you know so they, that's like, true that's true i see what commit you're saying to they can commit to something like this yeah that's without... that's true because if if they if they win they get to go 
just keep on living their happy lives, and if not, they're they're dying anyway. I see what you mean. They're they're relative. They're they're as happy as they can be. Lives, you know. I mean, it's gotta. It can't feel good. To, it can't be comfortable to be a leper. No. Here's the worst part of the movie. It breaks my heart every time. Poor burning, you, cool. Burning fish. Poor you, cool. Gets yeah. an arrow. It hurt. It breaks my. And then he limps and he like follows Ashitaka around. Like it breaks my heart every time, Chris. I. How Miyazaki said that Ashitaka was the character that was like most like him because he was so melancholy. He's so badass in the scene. This is I love this shot right here. Alright. Alright, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> the one smart guy amongst all of them. All he was like, right. yep. Time to turn around. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Leave you alone. Bye. Have fun. And your cool limps after him and follows. Oh, I hate watching her animals. Yeah. Oh, it hurts my soul. But, like, we also see, like, the tragedy of, like, humans, too. Like, you know, a, like, the Emperor's mercenaries don't care about the people of Iron Town. They're just there to do a job. So what do they do? They put not their men on the front line and sacrifice the people of Iron Town and play them. And so then, in turn, it's very much like, uh, you know, the, the people of Iron Town are the first ones to be like, you know, maybe it's uh, these these animals that Ashitaka have been trying to protect and stuff like that. Like, maybe they give it more of a shit about us than our own kind. My orders are no outsider's permission. All right, but I've just come from Irontown. I have a message for Lady Eboshi. I like how he's always exchanging looks with his with his elk. Like these guys are assholes. They are asshats. They deserve to get their asses beat. And this movie does such a good job, like, setting up little things. Like, Ashitaka doesn't interact with this guy in blue a lot, but it, he's en he interacts enough with him earlier in the film that there's a reason this guy trusts him, you know? Well, he's he's also got that that th that pure of heart thing where he just, he all he has to do is react honestly to everything, and he just sort of, like, works through a lot of stuff, you know? Whereas usually this would turn into a big fight with these guys, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, he, he, you know, the fact that he's already established, you know, that these, these guys have already established that like, Hey, we should let this guy in, you know, the, the situation goes differently. But it, it also like speaks to like, you know, um, the, the fights between the people, like, the people of Irontown are just like, what do you mean you're not gonna help us go defend our town? And the mercenaries are like, that's not what we were paid to do! Yeah. <laughs> Fuck y'all! Fuck all y'all, I'm just gonna continue doing my job. 
long before cell phone cameras too so they're you know the this what whatever story they tell when they get back to the the to base is the story that happened you know <laughs> yeah especially like but but what i like about that too is that um oh i was gonna say if you uh uh, uh you know, the mercenaries have every chance to show compassion of just, like, we'll help you fight for your town. You know, like, we made this agreement, we, we, but, like, no, it shows that they're all fucking assholes and drop yep. grenades on the people of Irontown and stick them on the front lines and they're just the worst, you know, because they are there simply for greed. And they'll kill their own kind, even, even other humans, it doesn't matter to them, they're there for greed. Yep. I also like the two baby wolves and how they don't always talk. They talk just enough. They don't have to talk in every scene. But the intention is there. What's going on? No! What do you think you're doing? I have got to find Lady Aboshi. This wolf's gonna help me find her. You're on their side. Ah, animating weight is so hard. Yeah. Like People don't understand how hard it is to animate weight. To because like show... it looks so easy. Those look like two big slabs of meat around its side, you know? Oh, and it just smushes him. Ugh. That's how them men die. Yeah, this is kind of like the first, like, icebreaker. Like, you know, they see this wolf as a means to an end to help protect their town, but it's that first step, you know? It's about taking the yeah. first step. Help the wolf here, and then maybe in the future, this wolf will be like, they'll, they'll have that first kind of bond of like, well, the wolves helped us save our town, and and so maybe there's something that we can, like, connect, because the wolf's not being a monster right now. It's like meeting with Yakul. What a gorgeous shot. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a good movie when you're just watching. Gorgeously painted background. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw this movie... I love the double, t like the fake out that all the boar skins are not zombies because I actually legit thought they were zombies until I realized they were people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're so... animated very much like kind of like ghosts, you know? Yeah, they look like they're otherworldly. And it does a good job of like tricking even the viewer because you're like, did they come back from the dead? Yeah. Well, they could be, you know, I mean, we've seen like the the evil like demon stuff could be infected yeah, you know and exactly. they have us and they have a sort of robotic look to them but still alive so it, it's yeah it's perfect oh yeah 
Earth will die. You're wrong. We've all been fighting to save it. And, and, and I, I like the monkeys. They're not being monstrous here. They're just fleeing and they actually look like apes. It's such a good trick from earlier. Especially because this line sets it up. Like, when you hear neither human or, nor animal, you think that they're the demons coming back. Oh, I love the, like, the little shot well, of the... Uh, yeah, it, like... The mice. Yeah, although, like, really, like, a bunch of humans and skins wouldn't be driving the mice out of here, but it's just so creepy. It's, it's all... I But I think that's part of, like, the whole thing is that... They're running from the hate because I think they could, in turn, one day become, you know, if that hatred that, like, takes over Ashitaka, like, they're all feeling it. And he says hate's inside all of us. So, like, in this kind of world, it could turn into that. Oh, he's the David, you're so good! I, I know I said this at the beginning, but I really like Claire Danes in this role. She's really good. She has so much emotion in it. I really love Claire Danes in this role. Like how his tongue is just lolling back and forth. Because that's not the answer. You know, like, he's begging for violence, and that's yeah. not the answer. Again, wait. It throws her in the gr up in the air. Ah. Oh, they're so creepy. Did you think that these were demons the first time you saw it, or were you like, "Nah, these are humans"? I was, I was sus suspicious that they were demons even after she's like, "No, they're people in in skins." I was like, "I don't know about that." Yeah. Oh, the blood. They're like hyenas. Mm. But see, they actually, they kind of are demons. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people who should be dead from concussions in this movie, I just want to yeah. say. <laughs> Yeah, that happens a lot in the movies. Mm. This is a nice musical callback, too, because this is very much like a riff on the opening song that I was just like, because I remember I, I had the diddle like that. Such a nice like musical callback to the opening scene. 
Oh, it comes through her hand too. Yeah. Oh, I, it's trying to feed on her anger and her rage. Ugh. Japanese know how to do body horror. This is, I, I, it might be too much for, like, now in a Disney era, but I kind of wish, like, um, Filoni did something like that as well. Like, kind of, like, weird, wormy, dark side force grossness. I don't think he could get away with it now in, uh, in a Disney era, but maybe, like, when Clone Wars was still under Cartoon Network era. I don't know, maybe post-Andor. Maybe. Animation's kind of the, like the hard thing to kind of get through. Yeah. And, you know. See, like, I don't think, like, Jigo wants Ashitaka dead. I think he genuinely likes him. But look, he's, like, watching her reaction. He's like, is she still gonna come with me? <laughs> You have all the reason to lie because you're here to stop them from killing the forest spirit, which is giving them their greed. You have all the reasons to lie. It's the moment of truth, boys. Now keep your eyes peeled. Why do we need that woman so much? When you're going to kill a god, let mm. someone else do the dirty work. I do like uh I do like Billy Bob Thornton in this role. I think he's well casted for it too. Yeah. It's funny how he gives it a little Billy Bob Thornton drawl, but just a little bit. It works. Just a touch, yeah. Oh, are you no, dead? Another, another. Are you dead? <laughs> are you dead? <laughs> Even if like it hasn't been used like straight, like I feel like some of these visuals have been brought over to like Star Wars animation. Oh, there's a creepy. I know, listeners, I know Chris is digging it now because he's not talking. Yeah. I also like how their little blowguns look like eyeballs. Oh. Uh, and now he's just, like, pure death. Like, even his steps is just killing the forest. Yeah. Her little legs poking out. Oh, everything's so good. It just rots everything it touches. The wolves are like, yeah, let's play. Yeah. They've been waiting tomorrow. He smash. The, the wolves get to kill surprisingly few humans in this movie. Mm hmm. For really wanting to kill humans. <laughs> they. They mostly just killed 
out of self-defense. Yeah. And the thing that he sees first is the symbol of their love, which is the crystal dagger. The way that shot, it looks like he throws him down a fucking cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Healing Anders. Anderson is really good in this role, too. I love that, like, Moro's, like, final living act, I should say is an act of love. Jillian Anderson was is a is a super weirdo and she's so lucky she got the X Files because it sort of allowed her to be able to do she likes to take on like really weird project you know, unusual projects. Mm-hmm. Ja- genre nerdy projects, so So this is like absolutely up her alley. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh. We're back in the world between worlds. Yeah, I I like how the the forest god is almost a symbolic creature, you know. Mhm. Just like this is about as much as you can under as much as you can make it physical that somebody could understand it, and it's still like intractable. And like, there's a there's a interesting bit I just noticed again because like none of the things are attaching to Moro because she's acting out of love right now, not out of hate. Um, they're not like breeding into her skin or anything. They're just they're trying to grapple with her, but none of the things actually grappled her because she's acting out of love, not out of hate. Unlike Okoto, who's obsessed with hate at this point. I love how the guy is just like ha! <laughs> steps back up. I love this shot. Again, wait, they're, they're animating him to look weightless on water, and he just steps up it like he's on a set of stairs, and it's, uh, uh it's beautiful. And you could, like, the Forest Spirit never talks, and you can say see that he's saying everything to Akoda right now. I'm sure there's a lot of metaphor about water being such a purifying force as well in all of this. Oh, yeah. I don't get it. The great forest spirit took their lives away. Oh. And now he's like, all right, time to go for my nightly walk. Yep. <laughs> now I just <laughs> two guys. All right, let's go. Uh, I'm just in a day's work for a, for a forest god, you know. That's but, but, that's why, 
But that's why he's so Bindu. Like, he's just the middle of the road. Like, he's life and death. Like, he's not one or the other. He's yeah. just there. And... He's just, yeah, he's just being, yeah. He's just, yeah, he's he's just vibing. He's a vibing little guy. One of my low-key favorite shots is coming up, and it's the brand, like, him reanimating her gun back into the wood and, like, making life grow out of her gun. Yeah. Low-key one of my favorite shots. Just, yeah, just a little reminder of where her gun came from. One of my favorite line deliveries, too, is Billy Crudup going, Aboshi! <laughs> Love that line delivery. And the mischief of, like, And I love how the the skin just like blobs, like it just like like clothes coming off a thing. Yeah. It's just oh, it's so pretty. Mm. Well, you've reached the point of this where we're like, we've already talked about all the themes, guys. Now we're just gonna be like, look how nice it is. Well, you see, this is why I don't like her. It's like, who would see a mystical forest god and want to blow its head off? It's just like, I I feel that way about just a deer. <laughs> Like, I've been in the woods and and come upon a family of deer, and, like, the last thing I would want to do is be like, where's my gun? (laughs) Kill this thing. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I would only kill an animal if I was in a situation where I needed to survive. Food or or they're going to kill you, yeah. But that's kind of like the wolves in this, too. Like, the wolves don't kill unless it's self-defense or to eat. Like, But she gets her comeuppance. I... This is actually a change from the Japanese that I I like the localization because she says earlier you cut off a wolf's head and it can still bite you and she comes back here and says I told you it could do it but it doesn't say that in the Japanese that was that's a change in the localization I actually really like that change because it's a nice callback from earlier yeah oh all the kadama falling out of those trees oh like that wouldn't have like any emotional resonance if we didn't spend so much time with the Kadama because then it'd be like, oh, and they look like little ghosts falling. Ghosts and like ashes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. That's one of my favorite too. It's just like I can't swim. Well, then walk on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it says, yeah, that, that's that's another difference that I said than Wade. And this is walk on the bottom. I, um, uh, 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 one of my, like, favorite nature things, actually, because I don't get to see it very often, is when grass grows underwater. I, I, I love that. See, this is a very Jedi thing. Like, if he really gave into his anger and killed Oboshi, like San wants to, like just the... let her bleed out. Yeah. Yeah, but like he's still trying to find the balance between himself and all of this. I always wonder why this didn't like stab him. She has the knife in her hand. 
She's trying so hard to reject her humanity. <laughs> but really, it's just fear and anger and pain and the changing world around them. Fear of the change and that's what she's trying to reject. Because it's so much simpler to be a wolf, but she doesn't want to yeah. accept the more complex sides of her herself, which is being human and having to reconcile with this world that she is a part of, no matter how much she tries to run away from it. Which is so much of Ahsoka's story as well. Like, so much of Ahsoka's story is trying to, like, figure out how to reconcile those Jedi parts of her after, A, she got kicked out of the fucking order. What does that mean for her being a Force user raised as a Jedi and not being part of that world anymore? But also after post-Order 66, how much does she essentially stay in her own forest to live and be, turn a blind eye to everything around her? Or how much does she want to interact with this world that she is a part of? It doesn't change the fact that she's a Force user even though all the Jedi are gone. It is still very much part of who she is, and she can't just essentially hide in the forest and ignore it. So, like, yeah, no, I totally get this. I totally get, like, Filoni, like, being like, yes, San is Ahsoka! I love this climax, by the way. I think it's a beautiful climax. I love that shot. I love everything about all this, Chris. <laughs> I like how the moon, like, his, the head split when it touched the moon, you know, was, like, like split by the moon. It was... No explanation. We're coming up on a few of my favorite lines. Again, Toki and Kuroku are the best romance of this movie. Just saying it again. Just the, I don't know why I love them, but I do. It kind of reminds me of Jessica Rabbit and Roger Rabbit a little bit. Like, he makes me laugh. That's why I love him. But Toki's about to have, like, the most Princess Leia, Leia line of the movie. It's gonna... It'll be coming round the mountain to kill you. Yeehaw! Sorry. <laughs> Chris is very engaged in the movie, everybody. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be a bad thing to see right there. Right? Like a giant-ass kaiju coming over the mountain? Everybody hold your positions. And it's so indiscriminate, too. It doesn't care about the good people of Iron Town. Or no, it's the just evil, going. Or the evil samurai of... Uh, of of Asano's people, which is very much yeah. like Bindu. Like when Bindu attacks, you know, Chopper base, he doesn't care that they're rebels or empire. He's like, no, I'll kill Kanan or Thrawn, whoever yeah. I happen to hit. Let's go. <laughs> He's just vibing. Get out. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yo, run. 
I remember like the first time I ever watched this, I was like, why are you still talking? Run! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why are you talking? Go! It doesn't care. Yeah. He's, he's blow, he's blow, he's vibing too. He's blowing in the winds of fate, so. He is. I don't know what, though, it, the, the, the four spirit would care. He'd be like, no, you're dead too. Bye. Because he's, he yeah, vibes no, in a but he way. knows, yeah, he knows he's a main character. Come on. Yeah, he is the protagonist syndrome. So, this line that Toki is about to say is a line that I could see come out of Leia's mouth in, like, like sequel trilogy Leia, which is Kuroku going, like, everything's done for, and she says, essentially, as long as we're still alive, we can keep going. Like, that is... Like, as long as you're still alive, there is still always hope. Like, that is... And, and I will say, I think the Japanese version of that line is better because she says it more poetically. She's like, as long as we're still alive, we'll, like, there's something to live for. Yeah, no, yeah, no. In America, we got to put it more on the nose, you know? Yeah, but I do love that line because I feel like Leia would say that. Like, as long as we're still alive, Poe or Finn or Rey, there is still always hope. There is still always a way through this. Like, well, as long as, and it's kind of like Jen, as long as, like, as long as we'll keep fighting, we'll take the next chance and the next chance and the next chance until the chances run out. One of my favorite comedy lines is coming, which is, look at him! He's a big, senseless, stupid god of death! <laughs> I love Billy Bob Thornton's delivery on that line. And oh, he so just he just he just stated one of the main themes right there. Those shoes are ridiculous. They're they're traditional though. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's essentially the Jedi versus the human condition, which is like I could actually get everything in the Jedi going, I'm warning you, I don't want to harm you. And he's like, I don't give a fuck, I'll fight you. Let's fight. This is the other scene that's just emblazoned in my brain. This entire climax from this rolling down the hill down to them getting back the head. Like that, uh, we're just vibing everybody now. I know this is probably not our most interesting commentary, but it's such a fucking good movie. If you haven't hopefully seen, they're it, watching, hopefully you're watching the movie instead of just listening. listening. To, well, that's the whole point of a commentary, Chris. <laughs> oh, what if we did House Moving Castle next? Oh, I love House Moving Castle. But yeah, all this is just emblazoned into I'll, my head. I'll probably watch Spirited Away again first because I've seen it before, but I don't remember much about oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was. How Moving Castle was probably my other favorite Ghibli movie, along with Princess Mononoke. But they're my favorites for different reasons. Because one's more of like a like it's more of a straight romance in war. Um, oh, such a nice piece of an animation right there when they're holding up the head and it has that close up with Ashitaka putting his arm around San. They're both trembling, and it's so hard to see. But they're both shaking, and it's such a subtle moment of animation. 
but yeah, I, I, I personally love House Moving Castle, but I love it for a completely different reason that I love. I think Mononoke is deeper and like it's more of like the magnum opus. Yeah. But um, but I I like House Moving Castle because it is more of a straight romance, and the book's really good too. I've I've read the novel House Moving Castle. I I need to reread it because I read it in high school and that was like twenty years ago, but um, I really really enjoyed the book as well. Um, and I think it's a it's a pretty solid interpretation. And again, the dubbing is very good. Uh, Billy Crystal as the the fire demon is really fun. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy the uh, the dubbing is of that one as well. So. I like that it falls into the water too. It's like water is so much of a purifying like thing of all this. So one of the things I like about this ending shot is they linger on the scenery to the point where you're kind of forced to look at it for a very yeah. long time. Because you're waiting for something to happen, and they take their sweet time with it. Because a shot like this, like, you're looking for the action, you're looking for any characters, you're looking for what's happening. This, oh, this no, is a- this is just where the animators are finally resting. They're like, we're almost done. Just let's hold it at this. We don't have to draw anything. Ah. But it's so simple, because you can start seeing <laughs> yeah. the green. And it's, a like, the green comes in slowly and starts taking over. But it's... That's a that's a very bold shot because for a lot of like American animated movies they were like we must put something in this scene. Well, um, and also these are these are like even they're they're like they have another layer of like painterliness to them. You mm-hmm. know, they're almost like an illustration off a off a card or a or a painting or something more. It's it's almost like they like painted like the first look at the leper. Okay, so t- that woman in white she was a leper and she's healed. Yeah. I never noticed that until like this viewing and I've seen this movie a bajillion fucking times. And I was like, Oh my God, that's one of the lepers. Like I knew they were healed, but I never actually saw it. And it's not ever stated. And that's the power of this movie. Like it's so visual. And I also love this piano theme. This piano theme lived on my playlist for the longest time. And the, the bucket with the God's head is rusted because it's, it's, uh, Yeah. I also like this ending that it's not clear cut either. Like it's not like Ashitaka's gonna live <laughs> in the forest or like San's gonna come back to Iron Town. No, no the forest is sort of lost, but it's also sort of one and the humans haven't been changed, but maybe a little seed has been planted because, you know, some of them have been like the the people who've been the the lepers have been cured, you know? And and like Aboshi even says that, like like we're gonna do it the right way this time. We're gonna build Iron Town, but we're gonna do it the right way. Um, like she's she's clearly changed in this. Um, but like you know, if this was an American movie, like Ashitaka and San come back to Iron Town to like bells and whistles and parades, and they'd be like, yay! And like San like would live there, like would like probably live there. But like no, yep. like they're still gonna have their separate lives. But there is an openness of something else it's the begin it's not the bridge being built is they're starting the foundation to build the bridge and it's i i find that like a very hopeful ending where there could be a world where 
the humans live in peace with nature. But we're still not there yet. We're just starting to build the bridge. I love that Giga's little staff where he used to have his umbrella has leaves on it now. Yeah. And it's and it's just like a little hopeful. Like we're not gonna see like the forest god or all the gods or anymore, but all they show us right here at the end is a single Kadama. That life is coming back, and I love it. Uh and that's Princess Mononoke, everybody. Yay! To Chris. Oh, I love it. I'm going to watch it over and over again. Yay! Yeah, I'm... I'm. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's hard to get to these... Like, it's good to have something like this where I'm forced to watch it because, like, these really... Like, these take... You know, to watch one of these, you you, you got to sit down. You want to sit down and really, like, soak it in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or at least I do. <laughs> you know. If you also want to have like a completely different experience with uh Ghibli and just want to be depressed, watch Grave of Fireflies. You'll be depressed. Oh. Oh, awesome. <laughs> it's about two brothers living through World War II Japan and trying to not starve to death. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, it's uh and it's all animated and you'll be crying at the end. <laughs> I've I've tried multiple times to like sit down and like watch all of Grave of Fireflies and it's just so much. I've never been able to finish it. And that's not saying it's bad. It's incredibly yeah. good. But the entire it's it but is it's a downer. Big downer. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's such a downer. And it's it's just not my kind of movie. But it's beautiful. And I've watched like the beginning and like all the key parts of like, oh, I know what happened. Oh, oh, now I'm crying from this three-minute YouTube video about it. <laughs> like, it's a downer of a movie. <laughs> so, so why do you... I'm going to pose a question to you. Why do you think this movie, of all movies, resonated with Filoni to want to not only create Ahsoka, but bring a lot of the themes and ideas into Star Wars? Why this oh, movie? Uh, why not I mean other movies? Something has to happen with the Force. You can't just have the Force being what it is. It needs more depth to it. The Force is a character in in Star Wars. And the Force has always been sort of approached just in a sort of doofy, clumsy, Western way of like, oh, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's oh, Yoda lines and stuff. But that, that, that stuff is like platitudes compared to something like this. You know what I mean? And like the way the way they use hope in Star Wars because they use it a lot because a new hope, you know, so it rhymes, you know, and stuff like that. So it's it's it, it it's clumsy. He's trying to like make something, you know, more meaning behind the force. Why is the force why are you getting these, you know, Luke Skywalker Emperor things? You know, is the Force trying to strike balance and trying different little methods, but with the Jedi and Sith, or you know, it makes you think of, you know, his his stuff is going to make you think of it more like that rather than just like good side versus bad side, you know? Because the Force is actually more like the Forest God, like it's just kind of vibing. 
it's yeah, just well, gonna I mean, it, it, it gives life should, and it takes life. There shouldn't be a good side and a bad side. It should be just be the force, and the forces encompasses the good and the bad. You know? Yeah, because like I, I see where like where something like Ezra comes from too. Not just Ahsoka, but someone like Ezra who is just has to learn to commune with nature. And that's his, uh, and like, the very first time that he tries to connect with the Lothcat, it claws his fucking eyes out. But then you get something, like, later on where that's his greatest ability, is communing with nature. And he's very, especially, like, the nature of Lothal. And that's what he's best at, and, is figuring and that out. Ezra is also, like, kind of a viber. He's not, like... Like he's not resist. Like his Jedi training goes very smooth because he's not resisting. Like being taught, you know, he's yeah. he's not resisting his lessons. He's going with it, you know. And he, what, he once feels... he figures it out, because like like once Kanan also like honestly teaches him, because there's there's a little resistance in the beginning, but the resistance is Kanan actually in his self doubt. Right. And once Kanan accepts that he can do this and he's not going to hinder Ezra. Like that's when they both start, start kind of vibing. <laughs> but, um, I, I love this movie. This is one of my personal favorite movies. I'm so glad you went on this like little tiny Miyazaki journey with me. Well, now I see what all the fuss is about. Yep. Yep. And now you see like in the past where I'm just like, this is very princess Mononoke. And you're like, okay. <laughs> um, but I, I love this movie. From here, I would definitely say Spirited Away because it's not a movie. It's an art piece. Um, House Moving Castle was my other personal favorite along with this one. Um, and, of course, there's the wonderful classics of Totoro and uh, Kiki. And if you really want to watch a beautiful movie that bums you out, Game of Fireflies. <laughs> I want of... to get you a copy of Black Moon sometime to see. It's a live-action movie, but it takes place in dream dream time and has a lot of animal and talking to animal stuff in it it's reminds me a lot of this i'd be very interested to see it it's 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 one of my favorites i caught it's by louis mal as a director and i i caught it it's 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 also not a not american if, <laughs> if you can believe that and and very you know has that sort of, you know, magical slash threatening slash comedic, you know, not comedic as much as absurd. It's got the best, uh, the best fat little Shetland uh, unicorn you'll ever see mm. that talks to. But, <laughs> but it, it, it reminds me a lot of this and spirited away. Like when I saw it, I didn't think of it as much of an, it, it is an art piece, but like it takes place in dream logic. It takes place in the, the psychology of the girl and, you know, and the, the place, you know, she's, she's in a magical dream place. That's going to work her through wherever she is in her life at that point. And it's, and it's not done in a like, cartoon it's done it's done in a, a sort of gray way you know mm -hmm. there, there's the characters are threatening in it or or unpleasant or or just creepy or kind of cruel you know sometimes like dreams and old fairy tales yeah well thank you chris for going on this 
mini Miyazaki film. Thank you for coming me. up with this idea. I never would have thought of it. Well, oh. I, it just it felt so fitting, especially because like you know when we next week when we watch the first episode of Ahsoka, uh, of Tales of the Jedi. You know, like, um, and by the I should clarify, we're watching the first three episodes of Tales of the Jedi next week, um, and then we're doing the well, next three the week I'm, after. I'm watch that episode with new eyes, too. Yeah, like, it's, you can definitely see, like, the reverse of, like, the Ghibli influences on, because it, it just, it reminds me so much of Ashitaka's Village at the beginning, because it's very much the beginning of Ahsoka's journey as well, and, like, the beasts of the forest emerging, and living in balance with nature like it's it's very princess mononoke so um it, it makes me kind of like re like look again at like things like rebels and clone wars to see those like influences and watching things like the jedi episode of the mandalorian with the magistrate's town essentially being iron town yeah. <laughs> and on um, the magistrate essentially being uh eboshi and and a kind of a like more villainous eboshi with her like private garden that's beautiful so it's uh I, I, I very much, I, I love this movie and I'm glad you came on the journey with me and all of you listeners did as well and if you haven't seen Princess Mononoke if you're just listening to like our commentary on it, like go watch it Go watch it before you listen to the commentary Too late why now are you, <laughs> Why are you here if you haven't seen the movie? Like it's beautiful We should have said that at the beginning but Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a beautiful movie Why are you here not like not watching Princess Mononoke Like how Miyazaki is like way more entertaining than we are <laughs> We'll never be that entertaining, guys, ever. So, oh, well, do, you, do you have any last thoughts about Princess Mononoke? I love it. It is a masterpiece of cinema. If you got kids, show it to your kids. This this is real entertainment for kids. Slightly older kids. I, I would, like you said, I think five is a little bit eight. too young. Once five, you're getting to five, like five, it would it, five. A five year old could absorb it. But the intense parts are going to be really intense for a five. Yeah. It's going think... to be intense for an eight-year-old, but you know what? That's part of respecting your audience. Kids can take a, an intense story, and it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't end them in a shitty place, you know. And I would say none of the gore is lingered <laughs> on. It's not like a horror movie where they no. linger on the gore. It's just like, like yeah. it's like oh, there, there's a battle, and you might see a guy missing an arm. It's part of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, so. there's, it, it just, I think it depends on how you, like, how you want your kids, if you want your kids to see, like, death in a movie or not of characters that they like. Well, a little bit of that. A little only, bit. Only the main animal characters die. Right, Actually, like, right. none of the human characters die. No. None of the human characters that anybody cares about, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. A lot, a lot of human characters that nobody that are nameless and bad guys die. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. bad guys actually get the biggest brunt of it. But um, yes, go watch Miyazaki. Go watch Princess Mononoke. And next week, we are going to be back into the swing of things. So kind of like a little housekeeping <coughs> of what's coming up next. Next week, we're going to do the first three episodes of Tales of the Jedi. The following week, we're going to be doing the next, the, the final three episodes of Tales of the Jedi, and we have to prep Yoda because Yaddle's in that next week. Um, yeah, I'm not ready for that. Um, and Yoda will be back, and we will then be starting Kenobi after that. So, and then after so that we'll, will be Andor. Yep. So we are moseying right along, so... Yep, that's that's what's coming up for Jay Guys and Jedi in the new year. And I guess after that would be Bad Batch season two. After that, so uh, 
And then Mando season three, and we'll be rolling right along. Cause then rolling skeleton, right along, yeah. Skeleton crew and Ahsoka is going to be coming out too. So uh, maybe if you liked us doing Mononoke, maybe next commentary we'll do more Miyazaki films. I don't know. We're out of Star Wars movies. <laughs> and somewhere in there we'll do the Lego summer vacation special that we didn't get to last year. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we've been promising to. It's yeah. now at the dead of winter. Yeah, well, well, we might just sit, sit on that until summer because it'll be more fitting. Well, so somewhere in there will be a Lego special, so we get we we forgot to do that this year. So we're not perfect; it's fine. Or anyway, maybe we could do it a little later in winter just to give people a little bit of a little taste of summer during the cold season. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. <sighs> ah, excuse me. Well, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website. Where we have all our podcasts, including this podcast, which is J Guys and Jedi. And uh, you can also find all our shows on the Two True Freaks podcast group on Facebook, where we post them all up as they come out. And get your little notification of, of them. You can also go to the Two True Freaks Cantina on Facebook, where you can just hang out. It's more of a, more of a just like laid back group. And if you feel the need, if it's still there when you hear this, we got a Two True Freaks page on Twitter run by Gene Gene. The, uh, he's some kind of machine. We haven't identified it yet. He's, he's really more man than, than machine, but Look he's at- still enough of a machine to qualify as machine legally in a court of law. Look at that mystery man, Gene. He's- He's the opposite of Darth Vader. He's more man than machine. I was trying to, uh, trying to... <laughs> I don't know how to do that, so... Learn the mystery man, Gene. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway, where can they find you, Hope? <laughs> you can find me at Jedi currently on Twitter. That's our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Ballnex. If Twitter's not your vibe, on my Twitter account, uh, on my bio, there's a link tree and it has like a list to how to find all my other stuff. Um, if Twitter's not your jam. Uh, you can also find me over on Dark Side of the Force. I write over there and I'm gearing up for Bad Batch. And I'm also a staff writer for the Geeky Waffle. And by now, I will be writing reviews for the Bad Batch Season 2. So those should be up and running by now. Definitely, because this will definitely be coming out before... At, this will definitely be coming out after next week when Bad Batch starts. So, oh my god, Bad Batch starts next week. Uh-uh. Um, by this time, next next week will be Bad Batch Season 2 Eve for us. I'm so excited. Um, and you can also find me over on For Light and Dice. Uh, that is the Star Wars tabletop podcast I'm a part of with a bunch of really awesome cool people where we roll dice and we are wrapping up the first story arc and we're getting ready to start the next story arc. Um, we'll, we'll be recording for that in I think two weeks, three weeks. So we are getting ready for that and it's a good time to jump in and I'm very proud of the project. Please do go check it out. And yeah, so we'll be back to a mostly normal programming next week um, with Tales of the Jedi. I, I assume we'll, instead of doing an Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, we'll do Episode 1, Episode 2, Episode 3. Kind of like so, the, how we did Visions. So, sounds about right. Yeah, Yeah, just like how we did Star Wars Visions. Oh my god, Star Wars Visions starts this year too! Ah! <laughs> We're getting that in the spring as well. I'm so excited for Visions. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, come back next week where we'll be 
Yoda will be back. We'll be back to a more regular schedule program. I hope you guys enjoyed our yearly commentaries this time around with this Indiana Jones and Princess Mononoke journey. And yeah, happy holidays, everybody, even though they're already passed by now. But happy new year, I guess I should say. Happy 2023. I hope you have a really good 2023 with you guys. We'll see you next year. Maybe maybe next year we'll have Indiana Jones 5 as a commentary by that time. We'll do the opposite. We'll do Indiana Jones 5 as a commentary and then like four Miyazaki films. (laughs) We'll do the opposite. I'd be down for that. Like, I, I would say if I had to do that, definitely House of the Castle because that's my favorite. Spirited Away because that's the the magnum opus of Ghibli. Um, and then I would say Totoro and Kiki. Like I think that would be a really good, nice round one to kind of capture all the Ghibli-ness. So, but that's just me. Hey guys, leave in the comments what's your favorite Ghibli movie, and why. So we'll see what happens. All right, guys, we'll see you next week for Tales of the Jedi episode one, two, and three. So, bye, happy New Year. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Bye.